0: Hello, and welcome to The Sonic Cloth, a podcast about musical rabbit holes. This is your boy, Jamil. If it is your first time here, I just want to encourage everyone to subscribe because as uh, longtime listeners will tell you, I'm not the most productive podcast in the game. So it's a little bit of uh, you get what you get when you get it type attitude, um, which makes this podcast very easy to forget about. So again, just encouraging everyone to subscribe. Get that reminder when an episode drops out of nowhere. Um, so that's going to be my preamble for today. Um, let's get right into it. This is episode number 32, and I've got our honorary guest live here with me from uh, New York City. We got Mr. J uh, Papandreas. How are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm good, Jamil. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's, it's really good to meet you. Yeah. I came across your writing when I was doing a little bit of reading and digging about um, Jason Molina and specifically like the, the Songs of Ohio album, Magnolia Electric Company. Oh, yeah. And I came across your your piece that you wrote a really, really great, like reflective piece on, on what that album meant to you at like a certain juncture of your life. And just for so listeners know, like this piece can be found um, on your Substack column, which is called Listen Up Nerds. Is that listenupnerds.com?
1: Yeah. So uh, I'll link that one as well. Uh, cool. It's on the Substack originally, and then it's, it's migrated. So yeah, listenupnerds.com is where you can find it.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw that in the show notes, too, for easy access. But after I stumbled on that um, "Songs Ohio piece, I, I kind of started digging through the rest of your sub stack. And I saw, you know, an article about the band Wednesday's latest album. I saw a like self-defense family album ranking, um, which which got me really stoked and just a lot of thoughts about like hardcore, uh, you know, kind of past and present. And I thought to myself, yo, this man's consumed by the same uh, musical bullshit that I am. So I should probably get him on the line ASAP. So yeah, here we are.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, Stoked that you got something or anything out of the writing. Appreciate it. So, you know, very stoked to do this with you.
0: Yeah, man, it's great. So besides Listen Up Nerds, I I read that you kind of do like other types of writing, like PR, design within like the music world and stuff, right?
1: I currently do pr and bio writing and all sorts of music arts consulting for people that are you know looking to get into releasing music at a more i guess professional stage rather than just their uh the typical you know hey i made some art here it is which is also extremely cool and i i value it a lot but some people want to do it a little bit differently and i've put a lot of time and thought into how these things should work and like strategy for no good reason. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I do and I, I write a lot. I just about a month back did a 10 year piece with stereo gum for deaf heaven sunbather. That's that right. went over pretty well. Yeah. Just kind of pitching stuff and freelancing here and there and getting it
0: all together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I do, I do remember coming across that Sunbather article in the wild too. I think this is maybe even before we even started talking as well. So that, I mean, whenever I see the 10 year, 15 year, 20 year, I'm like, how has, how has it been that long? Right. And it's, I think it's largely because we don't, we never previously got like anniversary reminders about things and yeah. somewhat recently. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's definitely like, something that has become a product of our time and our consumption is that we love to look back. um, And I think it's a little bit difficult, especially with stuff that probably you and I came up listening to, to start seeing that because for so long, I think a lot of these albums that we see retrospectives on are like considered legendary and have always been legendary. And now it's stuff that uh, really like built up its own mythology in our time and I think it's like just a completely different feeling.
0: Definitely agree. Um I also think you know I came up understanding what the classic albums of say like, you know, just the whole rock and roll canon were. Yeah, right? And then and and, and I think maybe this is another generations like having like the tools of social media and the internet like our, our way of kind of doing it, but also like a lot of these albums were came into fruition were born into this world like during a time where everybody is on the internet too so it just seems very very appropriate that you would have this uh you know kind of like editorial editorializing piece and then oftentimes that that like coalesces with like a 10th anniversary album tour a new vinyl like redux for the 10-year anniversary like there's a whole there's a whole strategy and like um I don't know, like, there's this whole rollout, it feels like, with, yeah. a lot, with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, it's like, forget the new record, you know, like, you could've <laughs> just put out a record
1: last year, and it's like, all right, time to put out, you know, uh, we gotta we gotta reissue this one, we gotta go out on tour supporting this 10-year-old album, which I find weird, but I also just kinda understand it to be a thing at this point, point. and it's not like I haven't personally benefited from going out and seeing bands that I never thought would reunite or totally play records that I never thought I would ever see. So,
0: you know. A couple of bands we're gonna talk about today, I think probably like actually fa- yeah fall into that for sure. Very much so. So another thing that I was doing usually when I have a guest on who I'm not like previously homies with, mm-hmm. just to kind of like creep creep on their band camp if I can track that down. That that way I kind of feel like I'm, I'm getting to know them a little bit, you know, playing yeah. the, old, the old what's your musical personality game. But like as it's attached to your wallet, which I think is kind of That's a like, fun
1: way to do it. I actually really like that. That's a That's such a good way to do it because I'm like buying in for sure.
0: Yeah, if you could look at someone's Spotify profile, and I mean, like, I don't know, I I suppose it tells you something, but like, I feel like you're a Bandcamp collection with with, like strict purchases, like this gives you like a a little more of a solidified, like the more soulful version (laughs) of their musical personality or something, you know? right. You've got a really awesome collection of music on there. I was I was super pleased as I scrolled through. And the reason I bring this up primarily is because I noticed that you've you've bought all, like virtually every little ugly main release in existence, yeah. it seems like <laughs>
1: so I kind of interestingly enough, he just had his entire discography for like twelve bucks oh, on awesome. Bandcamp for years. So you would just I mean you you spend ten bucks once and get literally everything that Ugly Man ever put out and then, you know, I'll buy the the singles that come out in the future, the albums that have come out, but yeah, it was kinda of crazy to be like, oh, uh, instead of just buying this album for ten dollars, why don't you just buy the entire discography for twelve? So there it is, yeah. And it's like polluted up the bandcamp feed, but <laughs> it is kinda of cool to have everything there.
0: Oh yeah, and he's got he's got a lot. Um Yeah. Prolific, be, very prolific guy, very interesting guy. I've been wanting to do an episode for the longest time. Just focused on, I don't know, I don't know if you're familiar with this one, Third Side of Tape, just because he has so many releases. Yeah, or, very familiar. That album is in is that's one of the most batshit like brilliant albums I, I maybe I've ever heard. And I wanted to do an episode just like focused on on that one episode where I can just like clip kind of like the most genius moments from yeah. there. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we can reconvene sometime for a, for a, a little ugly main. Uh, we might have to that
1: sounds great i love chatting about all of that shit i mean three-sided tape is uh like you said it's brilliant but it's also batshit. shit and it's like inclusion of newer stuff after he like re-released it on spotify and then put like singles from the new album hidden in it i was like this is beyond like this is such a rollout you know yeah. it's crazy but i think it's really cool
0: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of lore in his artistry, and I I'll say like I'm not I'm not like such a mega fan that I'm that I could speak like professionally to any of that, but Mm -hmm. he is also like an what I would consider like a good kind of like adjacent artist to a lot of other subgenres, especially like punk and hardcore and metal, I think, and that kind of brings us to like why we're here today to talk about kind of like the hardcore adjacent world. So I think I think Jay I think like you're a lot more steeped in the actual culture of hardcore than I am um or 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 ever was but I wanted to just like put it out there like what was like your first exposure to hardcore and and what kind of relationship do you did you have with it back then and maybe what relationship do you have with it these days
1: Yeah I mean I've always really been into punk rock you know it's just been like ever since I was introduced to it I was like oh this is the shit this is like what I like and I mean over time I've like waxed and waned very often as people do. Hardcore originally was like not my thing. I really liked Screamo, like scrams type stuff, Orchid, Touche Amore, this old California band called Calculator. I was really into Camadre, just like very emotional scramsy stuff, always caught my ear a lot more than Hardcore ever did. All of the Rev Summer stuff was just like very much in my field. The older I got, I moved to Denver when I was 24, 25. And I wasn't, like, in a scene ever. And I I wouldn't really say that I was in the Denver hardcore scene, but I was definitely around it. A lot of my friends were going to hardcore shows. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll go, you know, like, I like going to punk shows anyway. Why don't I just end up going to hardcore shows? Bands I like are playing these shows, too. And so I just ended up, like, really in deep with like hardcore i think there's a lot more to talk about i think it's a lot more active so i think that's why i'm a little bit more steeped in it than like the typical punk world Mm -hmm. uh the scene is a little bit smaller a little bit tighter but it's also like a lot more widespread just like out through the entire united states i would say and it's a little bit more connected than punk is because I think like punk is very surface level, not that it's bad or anything, but you know, a lot of folks will wear like a social distortion shirt and that's cool, but there's not as many folks that are wearing like an old half heart shirt. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like a very, it's a different level of understanding there. Not that I have everything in common with this person, but I'm like, oh, okay. I, I at least know that band and I like them, so. I don't know. My exposure was just kind of like very gradual. And then suddenly I was just going to hardcore shows with my friends all the time, having a lot more concrete thoughts about it. I think it's a lot more business oriented than a lot of punk stuff. So it's kind of easier to play that game in your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, The art kind of takes a little bit of a backseat to the hype and the the show element of it all. And I've always just really liked the show element and the performance aspect. I think that's the coolest part. And I think that that's what's separates uh hardcore from just your garden variety punk rock so it's kind of my
0: experience and whatnot and what would you say like these days is what's kind of like your relationship to it i you know what i go
1: to a lot less shows now that i live in new york there's stuff going on all the time and it's impossible to keep up yeah, with it.
0: You're in the land and so of I shows. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And I would say that I go to a lot less now. I mean, I feel like a dickhead, but I DJed the other night and I got to the place where I was DJing the, the venue and I completely missed that uh, Glue had played a show right before I DJed. <laughs> so I was like, how the fuck did I just miss a Glue show? Like, I love Glue, I love that band. Why did I just miss this entirely? <laughs> uh, but I miss shows like all the time. I try to go to as much as I can. I think, so I'm moving back to Denver in like six weeks. And oh, I I think that when I get back out there, I will probably be able to go back to the level of show going that I was at prior to moving to New York. And I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, things are a little bit more spread out and you can say like, all right, I can pace myself it's not all just happening every single night you
0: know no doubt yeah i I, that'll be interesting to see if your pattern of show going behavior changes when you're out in denver i'm sure your theory will end up being correct and i know i'm just i'm gonna i'm not gonna shout out denver hardcore because i don't know denver hardcore but i will shout out other people who i listen to who constantly shout out denver hardcore so okay hell yeah i know that there's something going on there that's pretty special there's a lot going on there
1: um i mean adam and everybody else at convulse is just doing some of the coolest shit in hardcore right now i think like convulse is probably the best label in terms of like of stuff that i listen to i am like always paying attention to what those guys are putting out and i'm like this is sick new destiny bond record is dope as shit everything that adam's been touching has been turn into gold. I haven't heard the new spine record yet, but I am to understand it is very cool. Did you say spy or
0: spine? Spine. Spine. Oh yeah. I just, I just checked them out recently too. Um, yeah, that, that one looks interesting too. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I just, I didn't even know that convulse was out of Denver, but I I do know, I do know convulse and I, I like a lot of bands on there. And I think if you're into obviously this, like convulse is very much like partially responsible for this, like, new wave, this resurgence, I guess, mainly mean the in the kind of the fast hardcore world, but I know that they dabble in a lot, in a lot of different styles too.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all over the place and I think that's in a good way. I think it's just like, you can't say that this band is a convulse band. Yeah. You would just know because convulse put it out. Whereas like, there's a lot of Denver bands who are on youth attack and you know how a youth attack band is going to sound. That's not like a dig on no, no, Youth Attack at in general because I like Youth Attack records, but uh, you know what a Youth Attack band is going to sound like before you drop the needle, like that's just how it is. But you can't say that about Convulsion. I think that's pretty cool.
0: And honestly, like after I got done like researching, listening to all our picks and stuff in this world, like yeah, that, that kind of is a microcosm for how I might kind of like take away from this exercise. Was like on one hand. There's plenty of hardcore kids who are like happy to just beat the hardcore drum and like mm-hmm. have that be an, have it be an all or nothing type experience and like this is hardcore and like anything outside these bounds is not. And then there's a whole gener- there's a whole generation of hardcore kids who have always existed, as our playlist will demonstrate, who are like interested in a lot of other sounds interested in in pursuing that creatively within the context of like a har- hardcore band or out like having to create a separate entity to kind of get that get that out and i don't think that that's so unique to hardcore i think that's just something that probably is a phenomenon that exists in any kind of like really tight scene mm-hmm. um, that's this sort of like rule following rule breaking or bending kind of like dichotomy and and i think we're in a good place these days, even though I don't have like historical context for it for like what it was like back in the day, because that's, it seems to be like just a lot of like, like mutual support of like all types of projects that that fall into this world.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, I feel like there's no turning back on people that, you know, uh, are doing something new that you don't like, uh, there's just kind of a. I don't care what they're doing. I think what they're doing is cool no matter what it is because of the people involved. And sometimes that gets you into like mid type shit getting championed, but (laughs) for the most part, like, I don't know, I think it's pretty cool to see the level of support and you're right. I think think it's a little bit more widespread than it ever has been. It's a lot more open-minded. I think everybody's got access to all sorts of different stuff now for the best.
0: Definitely. So, like, where where I'm coming from, I guess, is is that I grew up in Arizona, like going to some hardcore shows of a certain era. Like, two, like I'm 39, so we're talking 2002. So I was seeing stuff like Poison the Well, Strike Anywhere, American Nightmare. Oh, okay, um, that kind of stuff was popping at the time, tour wise. And then locally, I'd go see stuff like. I don't know if you know any of these bands. Like if, if anyone does Wear Eagles Dare and then like later on there would be Arizona bands like Sex Prisoner, uh, Gay Kiss, Landmine Marathon. Those are kind of like some of our, some of our bigger ones. So I'd always see those bands like, and they'd always be opening for like other hardcore and metal bands that were coming through. So I have like an overall appreciation for the genre musically and in terms of it being like, you know, one of the pillars of a broader DIY culture. Um, mm-hmm. and, and definitely like some of the most memorable shows I went to were in like basements, so I'm familiar with like that magical, you know, stew of energy that like manifests at a hardcore show, right? Mm-hmm. But kind of where, where I where where I'm a poser is uh, musically it's it's just one of those genres that I'm I'm so hyper picky about, um, yeah. and it, I think it's to the point where I'm like kind of kind of squarely on the outside of it culturally. I'm I'm not I'm just not someone who was like taken in and like gave myself to hardcore despite having a love for. A lot of, like, beloved hardcore bands, like, a lot of staples, like, you know, Bad Brains, Jerry's Kids, Marauder, like, Converge, like, Have Heart, Gulch. Like, I, like, I love all that shit, for sure. Yeah. It's, like, that's, like, my stuff. But I definitely skew on the heavier side of the spectrum, but I'm also, at the same time, not a big metalcore guy, too. So, I just have my sweet spot, which makes, I don't know, I think it just makes me more of, like, an admirer than having, like, two feet in the scene, if I had to just like self-identify and the other thing is like that i think places me on the outside is when it comes to really tried and true hardcore bands like i'm talking about shit like um agnostic front Mm Chromax, bane gorilla biscuits terror like i like i like some of it just fine but i would say most of it misses me and i think that's because that stuff is like has the true essence of a lot of hardcore within it like you won't ever find me like climbing over another kid to like sh- shout into a fucking mic, you know what I mean? So okay, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It. I just wanted to kind of like get get that out because like it it, it does frame kind of like how I, how I approach things. Um, but I, I with that said, like I find myself super drawn to this current wave of hardcore, and and part of that is because I'm getting older and finding like more vit- vitality and like youthful aggressive sounds you know it's just kind of like mortality <laughs> is like playing it's, some part some part in this for sure
1: <laughs> it's also like the most fun it's been in a really long time mm-hmm. like not for nothing but it's a it's an aggressive genre it's a it's kind of scary to outsiders and this wave is a lot more welcoming and uh positive than i think it ever has been and some people are against it i you know I tend to go back and forth. Not that bringing new people into a scene is ever bad. I'm more concerned about like the, the apolitical nature of it kind of like bumming me out and just the, uh, the general, like there's Mm. a lot of shit going on in the world, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, turning a blind eye to it is like, I think it's stupid. Uh, I think it's kind of whack that I don't see, uh, you know, like, bands that I like posting about social issues anymore because it's just not, like, it's it's led to, like, more personal branding, and I think it's a lot more, like, apolitical because of it and pushing, like, the business side of things whereas I think that there's, like, a, probably a, a fine medium to be in the both. you know? That part bums me out but at the same time, I do think it is, like, the most fun it's ever been. And I think that that's a great thing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah maybe some post-COVID like hangover needing to be exercised there but I'm with you on like the real lack of like political like revolutionary type like a language and stuff you're right it is inclusive super inclusive in that in that way but then it's like yeah but so is like fucking target you know like like, exactly like we should be there we should have always been there and I understand that this is like a net positive like you see a lot more different types of people at hardcore shows than when i even when i was like mm-hmm. fucking, you know seeing shy halud and like the nile dude yeah or whatever but like you're right there are, like in between i don't go to a ton of hardcore shows so i don't know you tell me like in between songs are there are, like angry like screeds like is that still happening no because, I mean, like mean no this, this, so- this was the birthplace of that shit No,
1: exactly. I don't see anything like that anymore. I don't, maybe it's not because, or maybe it is because I don't go to the right shows or whatever. I see some bands do it. I, but it's like very few and far between. And, you know, it's like, I, again, it is the most diverse I've ever seen this scene. And I haven't been going to shows for the longest time, but I've been going to punk shows for a really long time. And it's even more diverse at punk shows than I think it ever has been. So, you know, I think it always, it kind of is going back upstream where it's like, look, man, what once felt like the edge of society is very much not that anymore. And that's cool because I think a lot more people can see themselves aligning with that sort of thing and they've got a space for it. Mm -hmm. So always cool by me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In in the words of a boy sets fire, where's your anger? Where's your fucking rage? (laughs)
1: that's that is one band that missed me entirely and i don't know how that happened but i get you i mean it is real you know
0: well it's, it's i mean it seems like there is anger and rage but it's like what what is it directed at is it sort I mean, of myself like,
1: like yourself <laughs> i mean whatever like fine i'd rather hear that than like complaining about a woman like you know
0: i don't know well yeah negative hardcore is awesome i mean i'm super into it yeah totally all right well let's um get away from tried and true hardcore let's talk about the word adjacent let's talk about the term we're using here um i don't know what the origin of this term is in the context of hardcore but i feel like people use the term adjacent to refer to kind of genres within hardcore yeah or kind of like how hardcore kids call any non-heavy or fast guitar rock like shoegaze like Yes. I don't know how that, like, I don't know, is this just is this just a, a lazy term, I guess?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, so I think that some of it stems from the podcast Axe to Grind, using the term adjacent, oh. like, several years ago, I Were feel the like first? that, I don't want to say they're the first, but they are definitely, like, the a one. popularizer of it, yeah, yeah, like, I didn't hear people say adjacent before I heard, like, ten episodes in of Axe to Grind, they would keep referring to things as Jason or calling something hardcore adjacent. And now like (laughs) it's something that I say every time I hang out with friends at shows, I will be talking about something and and bring up that it is adjacent, which feels real wild to think that that's just like evolved over the last five, six years, maybe. But yeah. um, Anything that is kind of, if it has a hardcore, like a guy that was once in a hardcore band in it, It's adjacent. And I think that that's slightly uh, lazy, but at the same time, it's not super far off from the truth. Mm -hmm. In a lot of these cases, I don't see stuff that's not like terribly far from hardcore. You know, I I think it's like, yes, this could be a lazy term if you use it in a lazy way. If that makes sense.
0: On its face, it's a term that you could apply to any, any like subculture, but I don't, I don't think that it happens outside of hardcore no, I don't, all that much to the point no. where it's now become ingested in, into hardcore. Like some right. other sub subculture I suppose could start using it too. Yeah.
1: It's like, it's funny because it's like, it's not post and it's
0: not proto. No, it's a Jace. It's alongside it's alongside which yeah. like maybe practically can mean these bands can play together at a show like a fest has got to have like yeah. tried and true hardcore bands and it's gotta you gotta have some well, adjacents to kind of fill in at the right slots to like give little little breaks
1: yeah and there was that festival in atlantic city like a couple two three weeks months ago i don't remember but it was called adjacent and i was like oh okay it's like we're there like that's just the term at this point
0: that that fest makes no fucking sense to me because it's called adjacent fest the headliners mm-hmm. are like 2000s like pop punk and emo bands yeah. i think if i remember correctly and turnstile turnstile there are some like i guess i don't i'm not gonna say turnstiles adjacent i don't know but like yeah like there there are like ad- adjacent bands playing but yeah. it was not but not that many i mean i think it was like a handful, and everything else was like tried and true emo or pop punk or like paramore. Like you know, what I mean? yeah, like,
1: it's all adjacent, man. It's all <laughs> I don't know anymore. I really don't. I always thought that that was like a really funny name for a festival, anyway, because it's like it's just it doesn't make sense except for the fact that you can put AC in the middle of it for Atlantic City.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it, it might just be capitalizing on like a hot term, right? And that's right. Literally, that's literally all it is. I mean, it, it would be cooler if it was like the inverse of like a Sound and Fury where it's like pure adjacent bands playing yeah. and then like throwing like a fucking beat down band or like Terror or like some hard ass band like in between is like the palate cleansers.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: oh, um, do you think a stipulation to like adjacent is that there had has to have been either member like past members of hardcore bands or like past or current or it's like they're playing in a couple bands is the membership like the important part you think
1: i think part of it is or like just general adjacency and like maybe proximity maybe it's like somebody's merch guy maybe it's we've played shows with this band maybe we're putting this band's record out that's all considered adjacent there's at least like one degree of separation in all of these bands that would put them, uh, maybe not with a hardcore band, but at least like they're being vouched for by other people in the hardcore scene where some sort of authenticity is uh, valued over literally anything else.
0: Yeah, like the sound even, right?
1: Yeah, like it, could, exactly.
0: could, it be, could it be a band like Hotline TNT that just like came up playing basement shows with, with largely with hardcore bands? Right. Um, And that's like, that is literally the the single and only connection. And then they end up like kind of rising, rising up through the ranks, like via that DIY scene.
1: Right. And I mean, we'll talk about especially some of the newer school stuff uh, that we've got for picks. Like some of this stuff does not sound like punk rock at all. It does not sound like hardcore. But because the members were in some other hardcore band 10 years ago, then... Suddenly, that's a hardcore band, you know, or like that's an adjacent band to put on a bill with something that's going to absolutely cause like property damage.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about eras of adjacent bands. Like if we're talking about like the the 2010s, like the ones that I'm thinking about are like Title Fight, maybe even like Ceremony at some point, right? A little later on, mm-hmm. um Basement, Citizen, Touche Amore. Um, I think a lot of this stuff is is basically the cleaner, more melodic end of post-hardcore, but with sprinkles of, like, 90s stuff, especially emo, I would say, like, thrown into the mix. But the key distinction is that, like, at this point, nineties the nineties revivalism that we see now and over the last five years had not really taken off culturally. Right at that, right. At that time frame, so but, like, are there any adjacent bands that you could think of that aren't essentially like evolutions of like post hardcore? Like the only one from this era, the only one that I could think of that comes to mind that, that was big was uh, that band Nothing.
1: Right. Yeah, and I mean, nothing. Nothing is like a purely alt rock shoegaze band in the vein of ride or you know who else am i thinking of in this case belly you know all this stuff that's like very much in the pocket of uh real like real life creation record shoegaze and a little bit as well i mean they kind of sound like candlebox they kind of sound like mm-hmm. 90s rock stuff and i love that to death so it's never it's never an indictment of that band but it is what they sound like compared to nicky's old band horror show you know these are Night and day. I mean, I guess like Cloakroom, I would say, is technically oh, yeah. like an adjacent band, uh, even though Doyle was in Grown Ups, an emo band. Bobby was in Native, which was like an emo-core, yeah. post-hardcore, post-hardcore band. band. So, really good. but that's, yeah, but that's very much in the like, not, this was not like a 90s evolution in the typical way, I guess. Cause it's, it's based on like hum. Rather than, you know, putting a bunch of delay on stuff, it's based on big riffs. It's mm-hmm. based on, uh, you know, torch and stuff like that. Rather than the breeders or you know Nirvana, it's it's just very different.
0: Both bands, like, signed by Relapse, too, I think, which is that's interesting, because that's, like, a largely a metal label, but does have, like, roots and grind and hardcore, too. But it's, like, I think maybe the estimation, I'm speculating, I don't fucking know, is that, like, this would cross over to both, like, kids in the hardcore and punk world and, like, kids in the metal world, like, in different yeah. in different ways, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, every time I would go see nothing, it's very much like both worlds, you know? It is nothing i saw nothing play with boris last year and it's like okay you have the boris fan and you've got like nothing fans and i think nothing fans are boris fans but not all boris fans are nothing fans yeah. and there's definitely some crossover there um but yeah For I sure. mean, there's all sorts of stuff
0: i guess some of it is just the absence of big riff rock in like any other capacity in any other place other than punk and hardcore and metal right like right it's just not in it's just not in like the main it's certainly not in like the mainstream music world you have like f- five bands to choose from and they've all been around since like the 90s and they're still yeah. on their thing and that's pretty much all you got so i think it's just <laughs> there's a there's an economics of uh <laughs> like supply yeah. and demand here too where like yeah that, that makes a lot of sense so what about like more recent adjacent stuff because you mentioned next to grind kind of like maybe popularizing the term if we're talking nowadays when I think when they're like in my head when when I hear adjacent hardcore like there's a little bit of like a big three in my mind like uh, Fiddlehead, Anxious, Koyo who are bands that are more or less playing I think like pop punk emo and some of the more melodically driven hard like melodic hardcore stuff. From mm-hmm. the nineties and two thousands, but these bands all have like either hardcore pedigrees or some le- kind of some hardcore type dynamic stuff happening in their music. I think the shows play out exactly like a hardcore show, minus mm-hmm. maybe moshing. Well, yeah, no one's, yeah. No, one's no one's getting uh, killed to to anxious, <laughs> but they're configured like a hardcore band, right? Like front man shoving the mic into kids' faces, sing-alongs. Mm-hmm. Sea of sea of Young Dudes. I mean, I know it's a little bit different these days too, but that's still kind of like the core. Yeah. I personally, I can't get into any of that stuff myself. And, and I was very much of the era of like Victory Records emo, which I'm not saying that's what those three bands are basing their sound on. But like right. I bought like Tell All Your Friends by Take it Back Sunday, like the same week it came out. I bought Stay What You Are when it came out. Like that stuff was... I was eighteen, nineteen when that stuff was coming out, so it was for very much for me. But I feel like I should be nostalgic for that stuff, but I don't know. It's it's one of those like musical areas that I've like I've moved on from a long time ago, and just I never, I just can't go back to that stuff for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a fair assessment of it. Is like, it, there is definitely a feeling there. It's a lot more positive, I would say, on the newer stuff. Um, it's a little less emotionally wrought and like lashing out, you know, not that it's like, we're not going to relitigate this, but like brand new glass jaw taking back Sunday. Like all of that stuff has a little <laughs> bit of, uh, kind of misogynistic undertones that would not fly today, uh, for better, or for worse, for glass for better, for better. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did actually go see them play the, the big misogyny album, not that I actually ever liked that album, but I oh. did go see them play it live early last year for, like, the whatever anniversary that
0: was. Any censoring, or no?
1: No, I mean, I not that I know of. Um, not that I wouldn't notice. But I saw them play that, and then I went back the next night to see them play Worship and Tribute. Ah, and see,
0: that's that's my Glass album <laughs> right there.
1: Yeah, same. And that's what I always liked. But it was a really man, they're so good live. And I never thought I would be, like, at a glass jaw show saying, like, damn, this band really brings it live. But they do. Yeah, I mean, all of that stuff, like, it's very... The attitude is very different, but the sound is right in that pocket. There's a clean guitar, maybe an acoustic guitar. There's a bigger, heavier guitar with a bunch of fuzz on it. There's a bass. There's a drum. There is a frontman. You know, it's all right in there, same sort of sound, just structured. I think like the song structures are a little bit more hardcore. They might not be as straight forward, first chorus, first chorus, ridge, chorus kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are, you know, there's a lot of like alt rock sensibilities going on there too. On like Fiddlehead, it's as much, uh, I think it owes as much to Lungfish as it does the Goo Goo Dolls. You know, it's right. Yeah all in the same sort of thing, oddly enough. Uh, They make it work. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that, I would say Military Gun is, like, for sure up there in terms of adjacency. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though, you know, I think when they started, they were a lot more of, like, a noise rock band uh, in the classical sense, like Jesus Lizard. And now the new album owes a lot to Oasis and The Beatles uh, and stuff like that. So, let's see, who else is, like, I mean... I don't think, Scowl has always been like a hardcore band, but they sound like they're branching out in the more adjacent direction, which I think that that stuff is really cool. I like the stuff that goes in a different route. Agreed. You know, there's a lot of that stuff where I think a lot of bands are seeing like, oh, people aren't gonna call us posers or sellouts anymore. Like we can kind of bend to those pop sensibilities. And I mean, same with Drug Church. Drug Church sounded like a Snapcase ripoff band for the first, like, two and a half records. And now they do not sound like that. They have gotten way more... They've gotten way different. And it's just like a... You know, nobody's saying, like, this band sold out. This band is... No. ...shitty now. It's just like, oh, they're poppier. They're not... There's no panic chords <laughs> on the new... Uh, Drug Church. the new Drug Church record. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I heard Patrick... On a podcast, talking about how his bandmates are super into like really deep ever clear B sides and cuts, and I was like, at one, I was like, I don't know that stuff, like you know, so I don't know what it sounds like. But I was like, like I, like almost shocked. I was like, what? dude,
1: Everclear that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, sure, I'm yeah. sure you could play
0: it for me. It would make perfect sense. I could. was like Third together.
1: Eye Blind too. Like some of those guitar parts are very much like it's just '90s radio rock, and I like it because that's what I grew up listening to in the car. And it's not... When's uh, uh, Matchbox
0: 20 going to become an influence? That's my question. Dude... Or hey, are we already there?
1: Somebody will lie about it, but I'm sure it's out there. You know? I'm sure that there's <laughs> somebody ripping off Unwell right now. That's okay. right there. No, I was I was just going to say, it's it's all right there. If you're going to say, <laughs> I'm influenced by the Goo Goo Dolls, why wouldn't you be able to say, I'm influenced by Lifehouse? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're,
0: Right back to back on the rock block, dude. You know, <laughs> it's been just the perfect, yeah, the perfect amount of time since that ended. So I think the bands that you you just started mentioning are the adjacent bands that maybe are clinging on to a little more like of the their hardcore roots, like Drug Church, mm-hmm. Angel Dust. Maybe is in this category, although they have some stuff that's straight up, right? Um, yeah, Spice, Super Heaven, High Viz, getting really really big. Spiritual yeah. Cramp. I kind of want to count Idols in this camp, too, although I don't believe they come out of hardcore. Could be wrong about that.
1: I don't know at all. I mean, I've listened to the band. I don't have any, like, sort of background of what they did before it. But, yeah, I mean, Angel Dust is a band that is going, like, the Lemonheads route of hard records, and now everything is a lot softer and a lot poppier. And, hey, I'm here for it. I love that shit, but I also love the later era Lemonheads records. So, sue me. All of that stuff is very much, like, adjacent. It's on the same bills. Ta-da. It doesn't all sound the exact same. But it is a little bit of... I feel like it's a misnomer when you call those shows, like, mixed bills. You know? If I had to say, like, oh, then... You know, I'm trying to remember who Angel Dust played with recently, but it was like three bands that were all kind of like that. And I was like, this isn't really like a mixed bill show. Yeah. You yeah. know, like if I go see, I saw Angel Dust with Illusion and Anxious earlier this year, maybe last year. I don't remember, but that doesn't feel like a mixed bill show to me. That feels like I just went to a hardcore show. Yeah. You yeah. Know?
0: Totally. So, I saw them with um, uh, Soul Glow and webbed wing and uh, show me the body and i'd say that's pretty that's that's pretty mixed
1: yeah i'll call that a mixed bill yeah that's you i love webbed wing and i i know exactly what soul glow sounds like so i think it's like and and you know show me the body brings out an entirely different crowd than totally different so
0: they bring out like a i feel like they bring out like a death grips crowd or something you know what i mean or, yeah. I can't prove that, but that's just what it... I don't know. No,
1: I feel like it's right. It, they're, they're two peas <laughs> in the same pod.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well um let's let's get into these picks. I'm thankful that a lot of the stuff that we picked I don't think falls into the like many of the camps that we just mentioned. Um no. so we're kind of re- reaching for some some kind of exceptions to the rule, but I think I think we're kind of getting between the cracks of like the older adjacent stuff and 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 the kind of adjacent world that we have today. Probably, you know, back in the day probably didn't call any of this stuff yeah. adjacent. But we're selecting albums that I don't know for me they're not albums that I necessarily like not every one is an album that I love, love um, or still listen to rather. It could it could just be something that's interesting or like a wild stylistic turn or maybe even right. something that ended up being influential like in a weird way much later. Um, but we're going to be talking about 13 albums here. Um, we're hitting them in chronological order from early to later. And we're also kind of splitting these, these picks up into two broader categories. Kind of got your more old school adjacent stuff. So that's anything from the 80s through the 90s. And then the new school stuff is going to be anything like 2000s, 2010s, um, and up through today. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go if you are, man. Yeah, let's do it.
2: All
0: right, I'm going to start with this die kreutzen one so i i wanted to at least have one one thing in here on on my picks that's kind of like an undisputed classic hardcore band from the 80s and die kreutzen is a band who drifted away from fast hardcore into something very different basically like i don't know creating a space for hardcore bands to like pull away from their roots i think they're they're one of like kind of the first bands to do that i, mean, I think black flag did that too for sure yeah but they were kind of out Dijkstra was kind of out there from the start and I think their self titled nineteen eighty four album is like a it's like a pillar of like menacingly fast like weirdo hardcore I mean, I'd put this up with like your Poison Ideas, your Jerry's Kids, like Negative Approach, that kind of Mm -hmm. shit. But they just dropped the fast hardcore thing like more and more and embraced more melody as they went on, more progginess too, and, and more experimental jammy parts. So this album that I picked Century Days is their third full length. It's from 1998. And at this point, they've kind of abandoned Fast Horror completely, which, again, is not totally out of the blue. Like, Bad Brains did this in 86 with Eye Against Eye, right? Like, is there anything fast on that album?
1: Uh, I mean, the the title track is kind of fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's a departure for sure.
0: It's a departure. And, and I guess, you know, quickness is like even more of a stark departure but i could see some people you know coming onto that one and being like whoa what's going on here even though it's in my opinion fantastic album. like yeah. oh, i don't love that one i feel like most bad Braids fans love that one but um diet was like morphing at a very accelerated rate i mean their sound was going into like this very mid tempo texture dark sound that would end up sounding a lot like what early 90s grunge would become and and i think this is the the sticking point is that they didn't really get into 80s metal territory which I think a lot of a lot of stuff did. So I don't think this is a perfect album or anything. It's just a really interesting band and, and, and a record where they really dropped like hardcore sonics altogether. together. These guys are like a weird DIY band from Wisconsin that made a classic LP um, in the hardcore canon on the first go, like after a, yeah. after a demo, and then just a few years later they were like on onto this kind of proto grunge sonic territory that still had the energy of hardcore. And if you look at, like, similar artists on streaming platforms where, where Die Kreutzen falls, it's just all hardcore punk. Like, it tells me, like, the listenership on streaming who are listening to Die Kreutzen are also listening to, like, the bands I mentioned, like, a couple minutes ago, right? So I just think this is a cool pick because these guys pivoted so hard away from hardcore. And their non-hardcore material turned out to be, I think, influential to, not really to, like, um, listeners, like Velvet Underground thing where like they you know anyone listening to them started a band but more to like other artists like i think we're yeah. looking at like their evolution and seeing what they were doing and like whoa they took a, like a wild turn like you know bands like Voivod like Sight Thy right so I, I, I don't know um i just think it's this is a this is an interesting place and i'm sure they like potentially lost a lot of hardcore kids like along the way going to this so what was your take on on had you heard this record before
1: no, hadn't listened to this before. Um, I knew about it like I knew that it's a departure from previous efforts. I want to say that uh Sam McFeeters talks about it a little bit in his book Mutations. I love which, that book. Yeah. yeah, it's a great book. It was a classic. That was my first book of quarantine and I was like, man, this is Sam McFeeders rocks, you know? He's Um, so funny. (laughs) He is funny. And I think he talks a little bit about it there. It reminded me a little bit of kind of the black flag thing where, I mean, the black flag thing is like a self-forced thing, right? Like they do this because their fans have gotten too jockey. So they're like, all right, my war side two is going to be for freaks. And we're literally going to call this EP the process of weeding out (laughs) to, uh, to weed out the dickheads, as Greg Ginn put it, like he didn't want jocks listening to the L, like to Black Flag, especially with Rollins in front, mm-hmm. and he went full left with it. And I think it was like a challenge set out, like, oh, if you're really hardcore, you're going to care about this. I don't think the same thing can be said for DeCrozyn on this record. Like, I think it's just what they wanted to do, and if somebody gets lost along the way, then so be it you know which is the opposite of what bad religion ends up doing if you're familiar with into the unknown uh
0: yeah that's their like weird prog rock that one
1: is, yeah and they it's kind of almost space opera-y but like it's really they went very left field with it very proggy kind of in a way that this record does but Everybody hated it, and they just basically deleted it from their entire. You couldn't get that record on LP. They, the band, like disavowed it. Oh, wow. uh, right before it, I think there were like maybe a thousand copies. Up until they did like a big uh, Bad Religion reissue in the early aughts,
0: but no one, they, re- no one reps for this record. This what you're no, saying. No,
1: nobody likes it. It's not even like good. So that's kind of the other thing is that yeah. like they tried to basically delete it. Nobody in the band likes it. Nobody who listens to it really likes it. Uh, It's very funny to see. I went and listened to a little bit of it after listening to Century Days because I was just very like, oh yeah, this was fully deleted. Like it's not, I think we sort of like de-emphasized the idea of like how hard it was to like delete something. (laughs) We're talking like they had to stop records from going to stores because they did not want to release this album, there was like a full push to just disavow this thing completely, which I feel like now, you know, you just right click and delete and it was like an ordeal back in the day. So I thought that was interesting. There are people that claim to like it now. I don't believe them. I think it's contrarianism at its finest. Yeah, of uh, But yeah, I mean, I thought this record was really cool. Uh, it also reminded me of Into Another. Are you? Super familiar with them?
0: Yeah, recently.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, it really just kind of like paves the way for people to get weirder and weirder and to not lose people along the way. I don't know what the response was to this record. So I can't say whether or not this did lose listeners. I don't think they cared. It doesn't sound like a band that cared if they lost listeners. So good on them, you know? I thought it
0: rocked. It was a good pick. Yeah, I think when you research this album and you see like the praise that's being heaped on it, it's it's merely coming from like a prog and experimental and like even I would say like some metal kind of circles mm-hmm. um, primarily. So, you know, I think I think there's a lot to like for if you're a metalhead who appreciates hardcore punk, like this is this is a great band for you because you get that 84 classic like fast hardcore super savage album and then you get like this this evolution that happens over the course of four or five albums and it's really natural. It's, it's really cool. And the track that I wanted to to highlight here that we're going to hear a snippet of is, is a track called number three. And I love this track because it's got these multi-layered like delay guitars and this like corded bass. It's just like this interplay that is just, it's super masterclass kind of shit. Um, This is like atmospheric rock that's dark kind of tortured and to me it's like a, a time capsule of kind of like punk and hardcore like giving birth to the alt rock today not that it created this stuff because i just don't think it had i don't think it would have that big of an audience or a type of resonance but i think people who were in um people who were watching this band evolve like the, the inspiration came from there and that's why like early alt rock just has a lot of like shades and colors from like punk and from hardcore um and from metal even it's sort of like just this melding of like different rock underground styles into something that could be commercialized ultimately right yeah well let's let's go ahead and give a listen to um number three from Die kreutzen off the album century days Right, Jay, tell us about the Ray and Porcell 7-inch because this, I didn't even know this existed. This was not on my radar at all.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, this is like Ray Capo and John Porcell of Youth of Today go their separate ways uh, from Youth of Today and decide, we're going to put out a record ourselves and it, you get the Ray and Porcell 7-inch, which a lot of people were very excited for because it's like oh man like what are they gonna do you know youth of today was so big and so influential and then the rain poor cell seven inch drops and everybody hates it It is two songs. That's all it is. Of kinda not terribly good post-punky, dancey, whiny stuff. Uh, that is it's not good. It's a little juvenile. It's not done uh by a pro by any means. But I also don't hate it, you know? I think Same. like it's yeah, I think it's like very much of its time and i applaud them for going above and beyond to do something that they have never done before but it's also just like such a relic of a time that people were like what the what the fuck is this you know (laughs) another sort of did not get i think i was looking at the uh the release stats on it today actually and i think that the Original rev pressing was five thousand records, and there are not like, there's not information about represses. If that tells you anything, <laughs> like it's just like, all right, listen,
0: like it's it's done. We what we does know. Discogs pricing look like? That's what I want to know.
1: That's a good question. Let me pull it up real here because I had
0: there's eighty five for sale right now.
1: I mean, it looks but like as like a got... as a
0: curiosity item, or as like a legit. I need to have this like seven inch. Like this is legendary. <gasps>
1: yeah
0: i mm, i'm kind of asking yeah. that into the wind i don't expect like either of us to know right oh
1: i mean there's some stuff here where it's like i don't want this uh you know
0: to me it's, so. it sounded like like i i'm a, I'm a fan of Queensrÿche. like um operation mind okay. crime like earlier 80s like metal stuff very cheesy shit like it sounded to me like like something Queensrÿche would do the singing's pretty rough I gotta say, and I kept re- when I was reading about this, I kept seeing like you know post punk influences and like stuff like that. I don't know, I don't know why. It's just like I, I, wasn't hearing a whole lot of that, and I don't know if it's just like I need to get my like. I think it's in the checked. tone like, specifically.
1: Yeah. Just like that bass tone is very mm-hmm. post punk mm-hmm. emblematic to me. Like the kind of killing machine,
0: jokey kind of thing. yeah.
1: I mean yeah, it's not as pure as like a Joy Division bass line, but it's right in that kind of pocket of sounding a little bit farty but not too farty Mm. not too digital um and it's moody
0: too i think it is part part of it yeah
1: and i think that this is like the first record of hardcore bands going digital in some sort of way you know and i know we're going to talk a little bit about that later but this is like the first idea of like let's put a drum machine on this uh let's use the technology available to us And it was met with uh, widespread booing and throwing of fruits. And you know, it's, I I don't think it sucks, but I think it is really just kind of something so interesting to me as a relic of like, what was this? Like, what was the idea? And you get the idea, right? But Mm -hmm. I think people gristled so much at hearing that kind of stuff only on pop records. That you can't help but think that something like this is trying to become a pop
0: band. Yeah, I wonder if. Do you think the feedback came through like loud and clear, and that's why this this is the only thing that ever happened? Yeah, with the I mean, like I don't
1: think. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the. I I know for a fact it was not good feedback from the scene, you know, and I think that they heard it loud and clear, and that's why they end up going into stuff like shelter, you know? And yeah. that's why Youth of Today is still doing shows and Ray and Porcel are not doing that themselves.
0: You I know? want an adjacent band to come out today and they'd just be like, yeah, we're just like super inspired by the Ray and Porcel 7-inch. And it's just like, that's it's like what it's taking from.
1: You know, honestly, Glitterer, I would say is taking some some hints from that. Especially oh. like the first two glitter EPs and the response was kind of similar. I love those records. I think they're really cool. I think Ned is an incredible songwriter and For I sure. think that I think that if you listen to those records with like thinking about guitar lines and bass lines rather than synth noises and drum machines, you can hear title fight songs in them. Mm. But I think because of how it looked and how it sounded people were really against it at first. And I think that the Ray and Porcell seven inches kind of the precursor to all that. So
0: can we talk about the album cover? Yeah. So it's, so it's just if people haven't seen this rain rain. It's rain Porcell in a, I'm assuming New York city apartment with like huge, these huge, like see like ceiling to floor windows. And they're just both like facing out, looking out the window it looks like a natural photo, like they didn't pose for anything, and they're and you know they're wearing like hardcore guy like workout shorts, which is sick. I don't know this this is the first thing that struck me when I saw it, and I guess there's some like I don't know memes and like lore around the cover too. I was wondering if you knew anything about that. I didn't really go much farther but
1: i I think it is like one it's a very memeable thing because it's like what are they looking at but it's also like they are turning their backs on you the listener if you are holding this record in your hand (laughs) and i think it's such a cool idea that it's like one we're turning our backs on you and two you you can't get in front of us we're looking ahead at the future and you can't even see what we're looking at damn because we're so ahead of you
0: so much attitude i love it
1: that's kind of the other thing about it is that it's I don't think that they meant to be pompous, but it is kind of a pompous record to put out. It is very uh, it is very wild to be like, yeah, we're out of the game here. We're doing this. We're splitting off from the most influential hardcore band next to Minor Threat, and we're yeah. going to do this, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, regardless of the quality, which I'm with you, I think it's just kind of like in, in mid-territory and kind of funny too. Like the the two genres that they're, really like branching into here out of like straight edge hardcore is sounds to me like a like late 80s metal at least especially in the guitar tones and stuff in like post-punk like what you're like what you're saying two genres that are like that's those are two like the most friendliest like plays well with hardcore like genres you can imagine right like Mm -hmm. but this was 1991 so maybe different reaction different context
1: yeah and interestingly enough i know that like From listening to other podcasts and reading articles, not the same response to the Quicksand record, you know, but the Quicksand records were considered very much out there at the time. And, you know, that's kind of crazy to me that it's like, I think that Quicksand just sounds kind of like a regular hardcore band, except they're a lot funkier and a lot riffier. And I love Quicksand to death for it. Like top tier band for me. But I also find it really funny that I think at the time it was like not met with that same sort of excitement. It was like, man, this is weird. I don't I don't know about this. There's some skepticism to quicksand and that goodwill is not granted to Raid Cell. It is immediate, uh, immediate rejection.
0: Absolutely. Super interesting it's great that we trotted this out because you know, the next few uh, picks really kind of like continue with the lineage here. So mm-hmm. um, was there a particular track you wanted to play a snippet from fame, broken glass? You got a, I think fame amongst is, these two.
1: Fame's the one. Fame's F- the if one. I have to listen to two, or I mean, it's like a fun record to listen to in full anyway, but I would put fame on here.
0: Okay. Let's play a little bit of fame off of the Ray and poor cell seven inch from 1991. So here's here's another one of your picks, Jay, and it relates directly to Rain Porcel. Yep. So my questions are who are Shelter? Why Mantra, And what on fucking earth is Krishna Core?
1: All right. So Shelter is a Hare Krishna-based hardcore band. They believe in the tenets of the Hare Krishna teachings. Uh, there is a lot of, I think it's called like the Krishna consciousness movement. So, like, there are a couple of different lines of believing in Hare Krishna, right? So, I I personally am not, but I am absolutely fascinated by the idea of spirituality within hardcore. Hmm. Uh, I believe it's very energy-based teachings. I feel like there's a lot of energy in hardcore and around it. So, it's kind of interesting to see that in action. And, uh, I don't know. So, Krishna core is a lot of guys who end up believing in the teachings of Hare Krishna and go off to form their own bands to sort of recruit people into the Krishna consciousness movement, but to also spread the teachings. Uh, It's almost like a missionary thing. Mm. I think it's pretty interesting in just terms of like a slice of reality and a thing that people really got into. I remember I went to a Krishna temple in, Denver because they have a really, really good vegan buffet. Shouts out to Govinda's. Um, There are a lot of those, by the way, if you're looking, one, if you are a band on tour and you are, somebody is vegan and you got to keep vegan and you want to keep vegan for like no money at all, find a Krishna temple with a buffet. Number one thing that you could do. It's all pretty fresh. It's probably decent. They also, they don't believe in eating garlic, which is kind of a fucked up thing in my mind. Oh, wow. So allegedly, I looked into this once because I was like, what the fuck is going on with like, one, Christian food?" was like kind of bland. I didn't want to say it, but you know, like, listen, you're gonna get fed. Um,
0: Is it any wonder?
1: Yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, So they believe that if you eat too much garlic, you basically get high off of eating it. And I was like, this is insane. But also, I want to eat enough garlic to get high, you know. So branching what about off nut, from oh, st- nutmeg, Do they yeah, have a nutmeg. Oh, district? that's true. Forgot about the nutmeg thing, <laughs> man. So yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of like straight edge guys who end up going into doing this kind of music, and then branching off of Shelter and their heavier counterpart, 108. The guys from Texas is the reason end up forming Texas is the reason to get out of the Krishna core scene and to get away from the intensity and the teachings of Krishna core
0: oh I didn't know
1: that yeah so a couple of the guys in Texas is the reason were originally in 108 so yeah I mean I think it's just like kind of a funny little ripple in hardcore mantra is the big swing at making a record for the radio It's on Roadrunner. It is full departure from Equal Vision Records. This is like the push. 1995, you're on Roadrunner Records. You are putting out a good, I think it's a good record. I think it's very poppy. You mentioned uh, its similarity to a current band.
0: In the one d- track the in particular maybe there's the, a couple moments
1: i think there's a lot of moments honestly i think it's i think you're spot on with it and it was one thing that i didn't really consider and it's they do kind of sound like turnstile
0: you know the track that i was talking about is empathy yeah and when i heard this i was like this you could throw this on glow on so easily
1: yeah Yeah, uh, I like the song Civilized Man a lot. I think that that's like a fun, it's a real wild one. It's kind of like a rap rock song about being a vegetarian vegan. Uh, it's that like,
0: chorus is, is so catchy. Dude,
1: but it's so good, right? Like you start like singing along, and you're like, all right, maybe they maybe they were talking about something on this one, you know? I like Here We Go, but it's also, like, a really funny... It's funny to look at from a lyrical aspect because it is, like, a pro abstinence song. And it's, like... These... Because it's a spiritual band, I don't think it's really that far from, like, Christian rock in my head.
0: It's got the same goals, right? Exactly. You know, it's all
1: right in line, and it's all... The more you listen to it, the more similar you get to it, but sheltered by virtue of being a Krishna band is vegan and talks about animal rights in a way that I think is like kind of compelling. I, I've always found hardcore with a cause to be incredibly compelling, whether it's straight edge hardcore, vegan hardcore, Krishna core. I think it's just like a full dedication to stuff is a lot more appreciated by me, so Yeah, I mean, cool record, real, real wild stuff going on in the water back in 1995. You've got that, and then you've got 108. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we can talk about that, too.
0: For sure. This album has hits, like, all over the place. The first, my first spin, I was was laughing a lot. I was like, this is so goofy and so funny. And then third, fourth spin in, I'm like, I know all of these hooks are like in, in me now. Undeniable. This is, this is yeah. such a fucking fun album. And I, I knew, I knew that there, like you were, you were also interested in this album from like a lyrical, like philosophical, like pre- preaching kind of standpoint too. So I was like trying to hone in on the lyrics, but I was also trying to listen. Like I, this is also like a, an album you could enjoy. Like without, with just Extremely. letting the letting letting the lyrics just like bull, like not even affect you really, because like the oh. hooks are the hooks are there, right? And like in and in, in that way, I think it reminds me of Turnstile, right? Like the multiple hooks within a song, um, alternating between like kind of like more aggressive moments and then like these really melodic kind of moments too. I always put, I never listened to this band. Like I always, I did the stupid thing. Back in the day, where I put them into like the Hess S hard this is so ignorant, S hardcore band bucket. So I was like, sick of it all. Oh, Snapcase, yeah. Strife, Shelter, like, oh, these bands are all the same. And oh, this is the question that I had. When did Ray start rapping in Shelter? Because it, it seems like the earlier ones, I just gave him like a quick spin. Like, yeah. are those rap free? And this is the one where he started? Yeah, this
1: is like, this is recognizing what's going on around and then like fully going into kind of rapping, kind of singing. 1995. Uh, Are you saying there was, like,
0: kind of rap stuff happening in hardcore at this point? Or, like, are you talking about pre-New Metal kind of stuff?
1: It's a little... Well, like, New Metal's kind of alongside this because, like, the first Korn record is around this time, too.
0: Maybe Rage, too?
1: Yeah, definitely. Rage gets, like, real big in 96, I want to say. But, yeah, like, it's... The undercurrent is there. The success of other stuff... Sublime, you know, Sugar Ray. It's all like there is, there's rapping there. There is success in that sort of being your gimmick. But he's not, he's kind of rap singing it. I think it's like, I think, uh, Here We Go Again is the, no, I think Civilized Man is the single. And then Here We Go Again is the second single. So you get like kind of both sides of the band there. But like Civilized Man is very much, it's the it's the less timeless of those two singles. I think like that's the one thing about this record that I don't think is it's very much like you know this is a '90s rock record. This is not going to happen anywhere else. You listen to this album and you're like, all right, yeah, I can see like Keith Haring drawings and shit like that in my head when I listen to this. I do not think of. The 2000s, I don't think of the 80s. It's one time period and it's not, it's not, I don't think it's coming back, but you know, who knows? Turnstile does kind of sound like this.
0: So, do you have any, um, insight into like did did shelter fans and hardcore kids hate this album when it came out? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I, and I
1: don't know how, I don't know how well it's sold. I don't, I know it, next records also on Roadrunner. That's it. Yeah, that's all that I know. Yeah, I have no idea what the reception
0: is. To so, is and, and the other thing is like ethically, like in terms of moving to like a major, is the is the kind of like way to reconcile that is that you get the message out to a much larger audience, like through increased distribution, so. and like we're thus like better messengers of of our like spiritual cause.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would assume that's kind of how you justify it. I to be clear, like I don't think Krishna says anything bad about making money. And I'm not, not like, super involved in the teachings of the Hare Krishna, but I don't, like, I don't think it's against making some bank, and I don't think it's against uh, setting yourself up to have a a nice, cushy tour on a bus rather than in the back of a van. That being said, I know that a lot of people were, like, against the involvement of Krishna in the hardcore scene, because, like, on its surface, yes, like, There are some things that people can get behind, no, you know, no drinking, no drugs, no eating meat, no animal products, which straight edge, hardcore vegan, hardcore, it's all going on at the same time, but Mm. the spiritual aspect and it's not the most like, it's definitely not the most progressive religion, especially when it comes to women, you know, it's like straight up. There's some pretty misogynist like points of views in, this stuff so it's not like the there's some skepticism with like you're presenting this as like kind of a attaining a higher being a higher self attaining the supreme is the other uh shelter record that's like kind of renowned but it's not like all fun and games i think is like kind of the thing that a lot of people were skeptical of you know there's like all right you're teaching one side of it you're not teaching like the hateful part of this you know So you wouldn't wear that one on your sleeve, especially in the nineties. Feminism is very much like on the rise, especially in subculture. You're not gonna wear on your sleeve that you don't think women should be like able to speak to men unless spoken to kind of thing. You know, I know a lot of people were very much of the belief that this was a cult and that Ray and, john porcel and you know to a lesser extent guys like john joseph had been you know indoctrinated
0: yeah to spread the message through the youth through youth subculture like exactly like a strategy it's interesting yeah i mean it's funny hardcore kids have more context and understanding of of krishna you know faith than like general americans or People do. I mean, like the most ninety nine percent of people are gonna know about them is the air, is like the airport thing, right? Like, yeah,
1: and well, and that was another thing that was pre nine eleven. I found out because I was super. I think it was like,
0: yeah, there's they can't one do that in, anymore. You're right. Yeah,
1: there's there's one in airplane. I want to say there's like a gag in airplane of Krishna's at the airport, and you can't do that anymore because you can't like just go to an airport and walk straight up you to, to be the able gate to just and go straight out. to the
0: gate, right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. So like post 9-11 there's not krishnas in the airport and you know you look back and that was like a joke like a common trope was oh i gotta watch out for the krishnas in the airport
0: they had the airports cornered i don't know no one else did that yeah nobody
1: else had the airports (laughs) there are like some fake krishnas in denver that i find really funny that they are out on like the big pedestrian mall downtown but like I used to work in a co-working space that had like a really great overlook on an alleyway that's adjacent to the pedestrian mall, the 16th street mall. And, uh, we would watch these dudes like go from hawking bracelets and then like just come around the corner and light up a (laughs) SIG. Like, I was like, all right, listen, I, I don't know a lot, but I've listened to enough shelter records to know that you're not allowed to do that. You know,
0: that's stressful, man. It
1: It is. It is. There's a lot of stress in giving a giving a teenager a bracelet and saying, no, 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 you have to pay for that. Th-
0: there should, really should be, like, a documentary about, like, this entire, like, lineage from, like, Youth of Today, like, through to Shelter to, like, the Texas is a Reason story that you just told. Like, it is yeah. such an interesting story. It is. Like, I, I would don't... kill for a six-episode, like, docuseries on this.
1: I would love to, like... I would really love to dig into that and see like what the hell happened and have like people go on the record about it.
0: And I don't know if people would. You need that guarantee before you could really like get this going for sure. Yeah. So I don't know if there's still bad blood, but um, Um, what did you want to, what other track did you want to hear off of this? Do you want to do here we go again or civilized man? Yeah. Let's
1: do here we go again. That's a, I think that's just like such a perfect one to put on there.
0: It is this album. This album was so fun to listen to. Like, I'm gonna throw this on. I'm glad you enjoyed it <laughs> from time to time. Well, it's and also like let's give them their due. Like, super tight band. Like, great mm-hmm. players, great songwriters, know their way around a hook, employ awesome dynamics. These are these are fully fleshed out songs. You got you got to give them that. Like, goofy or not, this does become like very very endearing. I bet if you were to play like parts of this album like at a hardcore show, like in between. I guess this doesn't really happen at hardcore shows. What am I talking about? But like bigger, kind of like shows within hardcore. Like if you were to play this over the PA, like in between like a like club show, not like a DIY show, like <laughs> people people would really fuck with this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: okay, so let's let's listen to "Here We Go Again" off of uh, Shelter's uh, Mantra. This is- All right. Uh next up we've got one oh eight. Chose the album Threefold Miseries from nineteen ninety six. Um I was thinking if it might be appropriate to just play a snippet of the first track, Invocation, yeah. right off the bat, and then I'll and then I'll have you just jump in right after. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. So um, what's your case for for this album belonging to the adjacent camp?
1: This is like the first step into like metalcore from a lot of these guys that were like outside of metal. You know, this is a, this is a full-on metalcore record. I think you get like a lot of people coming the other way. Also, f- just like in general from metal into metalcore, but you also get like metal guys becoming hardcore guys, metalcore guys becoming hardcore guys. These are hardcore guys doing metalcore and it's the flip side of shelter it is the extremely aggressive abrasive almost evil sounding Mm. like the might of all of it and it's it's again preaching krishna but from a lot more like of a personal like this is what it means to me whereas i think shelter is a lot more like oh this is this is cool. This is the thing I just found out about. Isn't this fun? Whereas like this is, I'm dedicated to this and I'm putting my life on the line every single fucking day, whether you like it or not. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, but that being said, I think this is an outstanding metalcore record. This is like my favorite metalcore record of all time. This is the one that I go back to all the time. I listen to this and disembodied and stuff like that. If I'm really itching for like the metalcore fix, I don't go much newer than this, but this is like the one to me. So I don't know, man, that's my big case on it. It's, I don't have like a big, let me lay this out for you. This is what it means. This is, this is not like the number one, most influential thing in the world, but this is a hell of a record. And I think it's like front to back, just heat. It's nothing but bangers of stuff that I'm like, I'll listen to this all the time. It does not get old. I'm always finding like, weird little noodly parts here and there they get snuck in the drumming's outstanding it's just all the way through just like an absolute vibe of a record
0: yeah i mean this this definitely rips um what is the what is the continuation of membership from shelter over to to 108
1: that is or okay say? yeah er,
0: well and Car played in
1: shelter and is the guitarist for 108 no, Purcell's not in 108. It's Vic Takara entirely. Um, so Vic Takara ends up doing 108, I believe because Shelter is just like not the same. But Vic was in Beyond the New York Hardcore Band that was always a lot more progressive than any of the other ones. He was in Inside Out. Yeah. He was in Burn and Shelter. But those are the big like ones he's involved in
0: yeah he's like he's like a rabbit hole like onto you know a certain slice yeah. slice of hardcore for sure yeah him and sammy siegel are both like
1: they just a lineage of every band that they've played with is huge in their own right but yeah like again this ends up with let me see who was in it norman brandon of uh texas is the reason is like the big one. Oh, nice. but yeah he was in Plays on Holy Name, their 93 record. It's just like such a wild pull. And it's like this guy was like, Yeah, I think I'm done here. Like, I get it. I get what we're doing here, but I'm I'm out, man. <laughs> but man, it's a it's a cool record. I really just love that 108 record in particular. I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on with the other ones, but you know, post reunion I'm less intrigued by it. But this threefold messary is like a slapper.
0: I'd never heard this before. I I knew the name 108. I hear been hearing it more and more. If I you know listening to, like Axe the Fall and like uh what's the other big hard lore like the other they they oh, yeah. they big up 108 all the time so I'm glad I, I'm glad I finally had a, a reason an excuse to to get into this yeah this has got a lot of attitude I mean I love I agree with you I love the guitar tones right when they came on on invocation I was like oh yeah that's already like scratching an itch right there mm-hmm. I found this is like a really sweet spot between like moshy hardcore and metal but they they throw in a lot of cool dynamics they know how to build tension and there is like a little bit of like the chaotic you know metal thing happening but it's it's nowhere near like the technical mathy sort of thing that like a botch or dillinger or converge do yeah. but there's like a there's like a little pieces of that in they're still keeping it like pretty caveman i think but then they bring in some of the dark atmospheric touches that a lot of that stuff like botch kind of would bring into and then there's like there is still, like a little bit of like like chanting kind of stuff here too like that's i imagine like the krishna Kind of like mm-hmm. stuff coming out. But it's it? I didn't have that context, of course, that like this is less preachy, less, less mantras, I suppose, and more and more personalized thing. And I think that's maybe like delivered well with like really th- these are much more extreme vocals, right? Like much rougher than yeah. shelter.
1: I think there's like more pushback in this one in terms of like, you know, like I mentioned to you, people felt like guys that got involved and wrapped up in the Krishna scene were like indoctrinated into a cult. And I think a lot of the 108 stuff sort of deals with like, no, this isn't just some cult. This isn't like some thing that I just wound up in. And now I kind of believe it. This is what I felt in my heart this entire time. This is what I've been seeking. And now I've found it and i am dedicated to it. The same way that, you know, a lot of people feel about hardcore in general. And is there a book of laws when it comes to hardcore? No. And that's what's cool about punk rock in general. And that's what makes it sick. But do I understand like looking for something, finding what you want out of maybe a spiritual context, but even in general, just like finding your place in this world, understanding it, believing it. Yeah, dude, it's it's a subculture, not much different than the ones that I'm already involved in. And while I don't agree with like everything going on, dude, like fucking ate cheese bagel today. You know, like, I mean, listen, I'm not, there's that line on uh what there's a line on one of the songs where it's like, oh, no, it's on Killer of the Soul, where he's like, every every hair on the head of each cow you kill is an eternity you'll spend in hell. Like, that's <laughs> nuts. That's insane for me to listen to and be like, damn, I like every once in a while I'll bite into like a burger or some shit, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fucked, man. Like, I am <laughs> If Krishna's the right one, I'm torched, dude. I am like in hell for billions of eternities. It's just like, it's such a heavy and cool fucking record. And I think it's like some of the, you know, I think like a lot of metal stuff in terms of like kind of scaring people, because there is that aspect, right? Like, I think that's a kind of a core thing on metal is that it is abrasive and push like it puts people off with a spirituality thing and this is like yeah i'm putting you off like i've dug in deep to this thing and you're normal and you're gonna fucking pay for it and i'm like <laughs> yeah. shit you know i don't know i think it's like way heavier and way sicker than, than a lot of stuff is given so yeah man that's that's threefold misery for you mm-hmm. if you want to play killer of the soul that's like yeah the one again for me
0: 100%. Yeah. I, I agree with you that there is something in- intoxicating about militancy in extreme yeah. music, at least for the moment in which you're experiencing it. And maybe not yeah. for when you're outside of that show context or listening to it, like, by yeah. yourself context or whatever. Like, you take that militancy as, like, part of, like, the power behind, like, the force of the music that's coming through. And if that's something that you want to, like, integrate into your life, like, at some point if it's you know slow burn kind of thing or if it's like an immediate sort of like shock like oh fuck he's like means this shit right and i'm I'm buying it like however it goes down is obviously like individualized but Mm -hmm. i agree there is there there is something really like uh powerful about that type of thing isn't there um a newer band hardcore band that's getting a lot of hype right now that's very like vegan militant kind of like in this vein and in like Older shit, Earth Crisis. I know exact.
1: Fame. I know exactly who you're talking but I, about. I don't. Know, I don't what? know
0: the name off the top, but um, I th- I know that they're getting a lot of hype and I. I, I think I've heard this album like kind of cited as well as being a big big influence. Yeah,
1: I know exactly, and they kind of like dig into kind of almost like the Krishna aesthetic, right? Yeah, and they play a lot of they play Krishna. like
0: all, a lot of the fests. I think.
1: Yeah. Shit. I know exactly who you're talking about because it's like it's a name that is like very. If it has not been used before by somebody in the scene, it's like very close to something else. God damn, it's this three is words. Kill me.
0: I know, but this is good. We're creating. We're creating a scenario where there's someone in the audience listening who's yelling at us right now, which is good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> All right, so let's let's listen to um, "Killer of the Soul" from 108 off of Threefold Misery. So good, Set the bottom of the table
3: Stop back your friends kill the prize Calma that you have dead Lift the the wash your free Stroud in your misery, your life spectrum.
1: It's, it's search for purpose, is it not? Oh, that's not what I was thinking
0: of. But there could be mul- okay. there could be multiple bands in this that's, territory. I
1: know search for purpose, but damn, yeah, maybe it's somebody else. Whatever. All right, that was that was the one.
0: I'll I'll think of it after this recording, and I'll and I'll send it who who I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm off base too in the description. That could that could very well be right. I I I outed myself as a poser right from the beginning. So that I could be be cleared for these mistakes. Um, okay, let's let's move let's move away from the uh, East Coast. I, I picked the Murder City Devils, Empty Bottles, Broken Hearts from nineteen ninety eight. I don't think a lot of people would ever consider this to be part of the adjacent canon, um, especially as how it's like defined in modern times. But I'd argue that it one hundred percent represents the the corner of hardcore guy gone greaser. With fifties rock, rock and roll swagger, owns a barbershop, broke edge, and now like drinks rum, and reads about like (laughs) like the lives of sailors or some shit. I'm I'm being very archetypal here, but this is a real person, and I think it's this person exists in punk as well as hardcore, right?
1: Yeah, I think that that's very much like a guy. You know, this is this is barber music for sure. Um, There's and there's a lot of stuff that I think is out there. They. Talked about this on Axe to Grind, but uh are you familiar with like Barista Hardcore? Like Coliseum and a lot of the like Louisville type stuff they were oh, citing is yeah. Barista Hardcore, where it's like this is you go to a coffee shop and there's a barista behind the counter, some old bearded dude with a bunch of tattoos, and he's fucking listening like it's, he's got a Coliseum shirt on. This is like Barista Hardcore. It's was like the, yeah,
0: the most uh, tame version of hardcore that could be played in like a quaint coffee shop,
1: right? It's fest approved hardcore is a lot of what I kind of consider this. What?
0: Sorry, what was that? What approved?
1: Fe, uh, fest approved, like oh. the fest specifically. Yeah,
0: yeah. Totally. So
1: I mean, you know, I like this record. I've loved this album for a long time. I got into them because Comadre covered 18 Wheels on oh, a mixtape.
0: Nice. That's awesome.
1: and it's a great cover but it's like i wouldn't listen i was like oh this is a cool song and then i know it's not on this one because it's on the ep but you know joyce banner does a great cover of motor Museum, um and that's really sick they play it live now that rules again which is tight but yeah like this record rocks man i was glad that you put it on here because it's been a while since i've listened to it and then funny enough Uh, I went to Philly for 4th of July, was hanging out with a friend, and they have like a big punk kind of skate festival sort of thing going on. It's like sort of unofficial under FDR at the skate park. And I'm not kidding. There were three Murder City Devils shirts. And I was like, did they play here recently? And my friend was like, I don't think so. I looked it up today. They did not play Philadelphia recently. It was just like three adjacent looking dudes <laughs> wearing fucking murder city devil shirts at the at the fdr skate park and this is this is something
0: <laughs> yeah this means something this is this is not an accident yeah well and you know they've got cred too like they emerged out of seattle hardcore like area like i think I, I don't know these bands but i did a little bit of research area five uh-huh. bombers death Deathwish kids these are all like seattle based like hardcore bands um and and I think this album and the band as a whole, they they combine like definitely the energy of hardcore with the rock, swaggy rock and roll thing, and definitely like I hear an early Danzig, TSOL kind of like other kind of like dark punk shit too. It's very sleazy. It's basically the opposite of straight edge, I would think. Yeah, it's, it's very like this seems very antagonistically like <laughs> evil like adjacent music. to hardcore totally yeah it's
1: it's like it's for guys who want to be seen as like the evil guy it's bad guy music but not nihilist
0: it's not like cursed right or like that kind of thing it's like it's like evil guy
1: yeah it is it's evil guy it's guy who's got like a bad thing going on he's got he's got a dark past you know he doesn't talk much he sits alone at the end of the bar you know (laughs) it's kind of like dark mysterious but not mysterious guy hardcore in the way that that's a genre of its own, but it is kind of like a, a spooky guy, you know? There's a lot of bandanas yes. associated with this kind of music.
0: This guy gets made fun of a lot, too. Yeah, behind his back, for sure. Behind his back, because I think that, maybe not all the guys, but I think this guy can like, this guy's had some, had to throw it down before, you know? This part, there's yeah. some PTSD in this guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you just kind of don't want to mess with him because it looks like life is messed up with him a little bit switchblade back pocket yeah, yeah come on yeah that it definitely like carrying one <laughs> i don't know if he's like gonna pull it but he's definitely like oh yeah that guy's got a fucking knife well, on him and he, walks with, a, he goes with it everywhere
0: i can't remember if it's this album cover or the next one but it is literally like some kid some guy running with a switchblade like in the in the in his pocket is like the album cover as well
1: oh yeah i mean and there's like <laughs> empty bottles has yeah this one has a fucking
0: switchblade on the cover is that what it is like, i'm yeah. trying, having trouble remembering it yeah
1: yeah there's a switchblade on the cover of this record Fuck yeah. i was like it's there needs to be in name and blood is the one with the guy running on it but that's also
0: like yeah got
1: a knife on the ground yeah
0: like <laughs> this is c- that's com- lo- commit some crimes music
1: <laughs> yeah it's just it's that organ man that's mm-hmm. the that's the thing and it's It's so goofy in retrospect, but it lends such a good atmospheric punch to it. You know, like, I don't think, again, if we're talking timeless stuff, I don't think this is a timeless record, but man, like, this is the only band that did it where I was like, ah, they're pretty authentic in it. Like, I feel like this is, this is sailor music, you know, this is dockhand music. It's uh, it's a cool record, man.
0: Yeah, I was in high school, I was kind of like, semi friends with like the the, the, like a small punk like kind of like group and I saw them like all four years kind of like move through different stages of like their punkness I guess. Okay. And like their final stage was Murder City (laughs) Devils like (laughs) their earliest stage was like maybe like your no effects and then like and then into like more more old school shit and it just kind of got like more authentic and more like Classic backpatch stuff, you know, like over time. But the the final form was like slick back the hair, roll up the sleeves, murder city doubles all fucking day, like social distortion all day. Homade
1: had such a grip on the American man (laughs) at one point.
0: I know. So, I I, but I also think this band was really appealing to aging punks and hardcore kids. Funny, I just told a story about like literally high school kids, but like they are aging, you know. Um, people who came up in like 90s and 2000s punk and hardcore, but kind of if I think if you like the proto punk shit, like the Stooges and Dead Moon, like this is very appealing. But yeah, this Mm -hmm. is this is that small circle of hardcore adjacent music that isn't hardcore at all, but uh, connected by both like the band members and like the spirit. I think other the other bands like like share the space. Maybe would be like you know Rocket from the Crypt, uh, Dwarves, Swing and Utters. Like, I think this is kind of more punk, to be honest. But mm-hmm. like, what I wh- why I picked Mercy Devils and not those other groups was because there is something like hard about the riffs. And like this track um, that I want to play, I want a lot now. It's the it's like the opening track. Like, I think this is the closest thing Mercy Devils ha- have to bringing in the tempo of hardcore. I mean this is kind of largely a mid-paced kind of band like you said organ and stuff. But I think Spencer's vocals here are 100% like the hardcore guy like approach like even with the gang backups and stuff. Th- this uh, this song is just a fucking banger. I mean there's no mosh parts, but it still makes you want to like smash someone's face in. So I think mm-hmm. that's when like the energy of hardcore phrase is obviously like overused a lot of the time, but I I think if you have that reaction where you want to smash someone's face in like dancing like then, even though there's no mosh parts, like if the energy of it is still there, like I think they're, right. they're somewhere in the in that in this adjacent world. But yeah, I don't know if you had anything else on on City Devils.
1: No, I just I think they're a cool band. I uh that's been like my whole experience with them is just like honestly just, like, just kind of thinking they're cool. I don't know. I but like the thing is, is, you don't want to like end up a Murder City Devils guy, like you just. <laughs> Because you have that in your head if you came up through this and you're like, I don't want to a Murder City Doubles guy. <laughs> but like, this is a really cool record. Great as a face like,
0: is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, like, I would never... The other thing is that it kind of reminds me of like Fear in that it's a band that like just... They remind me of like that kind of attitude but maybe less nihilistic than Fear. Just kind of the same energy is going on there but they're also just like clearly not like a punk and roll band. Which is the other nice thing about Murder City Devils is that you're right. It is harder. There is something going on there that's deeper than the surface.
0: I think there's like 20, like their shows are at least like 25% hardcore kid, if I had to like put an educated guess on it. I mean, I've seen them a couple of times and that's like the vibe that I got. Okay. I'll trust you on that. I've not
1: seen them live, but yeah.
0: Great band life. I don't know if this could. Something inspired by Murder City Devils could come into the current wave of hardcore and like, hit. I don't know. That's the thing.
1: I don't think so. And I only say that knowing that, like, I've talked about the Camadre record, like the Camadre cover with other people. And they've just been like, oh, yeah, that was cool. Like nobody. I geek out about that because I think it's like an insane thing to do, even if it was like 2013 or some shit made in uh, 2011, probably. But like nobody cares. And I don't think you can do this anymore. I don't. There's not real dive. There's not real dive bars anymore. I don't know if you've been to. No, um, totally. I know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's none none left in Brooklyn. What are you talking about,
1: (laughs) dude? It's dire because, like, I'll see on like dating apps and shit where it's like, take me to your favorite dive, and I'm like, there aren't any.
0: There's one. We got to go well outside the city for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we got to go to Long Island if you want like a real ass dive. You know. (laughs) There's a difference between like a dive bar and a... I think what's happened is like
0: dive bar is an aesthetic now instead of a class component, right? Like Totally. That's that's what it is. Like, it's just the aesthetics of of low class, um, but not with the prices of it, and certainly not with the patrons of it. Totally. And
1: yeah, I mean, and I think like Murder City Devils is kind of in the same vein, a necessity that somebody would have had to have done this if nobody else was doing it you know uh somebody else would have had to have like weaned in super hard into the rockabilly thing and i feel like they might have been well not rockabilly but like rockabilly style yeah i don't think anybody else does it with any sort of effect that they can do it they're the only ones that sound authentic with it like if i went out and started a murder city devils band today no i'm getting like raked over the fucking coals for sounding like that today
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's something kind of inherently macho about it, too, I think. Mm-hmm. That, like, doesn't, like, it's not in the way that, like, hardcore can kind of pass it off well, you know, too. It's, no. It's, uh, I don't know. There's like there, yeah, you hear a lot of like womanizing in this band, even though I don't even think that that is what they're talking about. It just like cut, seems to come it's the way stereotypically with a territory, yeah. Yeah, um,
1: it's the way that you would talk about like a ship or a car is a her. You know? Yeah. It's like <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> you
0: know. So Uh but yeah, let's anyway, we'll we'll let we'll let everyone decide for themselves. Let's listen to uh the track I want a lot now from Empty Bottles, Broken Hearts by Murder City Doubles. last of the old school we were talking earlier before the podcast so it's kind of weird to call this old school but i chose rival schools united by fate i think you this was a co sign for you too big time yeah so tell tell us about the band in this record about about walter really
1: yeah rival schools is it's the big like post i don't want to say post hardcore well i guess they're kind of like a post hardcore e band i don't know how you want to describe them as a band but this is the Walter Schreifels shedding off most of the hardcore guys. There's no Sergio Vega any in this band. You know, there's no um there's nobody else hanging out in this band that was in other bands prior to this. So Rival Schools puts out United by Fate, which is kind of a radio rock record. And I love it to death. This is not met with the same hesitance as uh quicksand and who put this record out do you know
0: originally i yeah. d- didn't look it up but i have a f- i'd want to say it might be island um, yeah it, this was oh one is it island
2: it is i know that island. run You're absolutely run, for, right. run
0: for cover did the 10th anniversary vinyl this year right the, yeah
1: the the
0: 20th oh sorry 20th what am i talking No, about? Yeah, yeah no i know and
1: <laughs> it's same kind of thing yeah they did do the 20th anniversary vinyl but you know yeah it's an island record it's a major
3: mm-hmm. this
1: is like a major rock record on the radio with major marketing behind it you know it's a it's a real thing i never it's heard i never heard this on the
0: radio but i'm sure i'm sure it got played and there were attempts
1: yeah i'm sure it's um dude there are music videos for this record like
2: yeah with, with a budget yeah, yeah.
1: So I feel like there's, I feel like they had to have been like maybe MTV with some of this, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So what's your like big uh, fascination with this one?
0: I got, uh, yeah. I mean, I have a a funny story about this one. So I, I didn't even, when I picked the striker up, I didn't even know Walter was in this band. I hadn't listened to to Quicksand or Gorilla Biscuits. Uh, Maybe I'd listen to Gorilla Biscuits actually. I bought this album on a whim from a music store, a CD store that I used to go to when I was a college student. There was this record store in the um Memorial Union at at Arizona State. And I would I would just go in there like in, on breaks and they would have like this kind of like front rack of like stuff that they were they were pimping out with like little descriptions like that the employees would write. And I saw mm-hmm. The Rival Schools CD and I was like, "Oh, it's a weird cover. What's this?" And I used to just do this all the time like I would just buy randoms. Yes. Random ass CDs I bought. I bought Andrew WK's I Get Wet This Way. I mean, who could resist? This used
1: to be, like, an acceptable way to purchase music.
0: Yeah. I I loved that. I miss that, honestly. Back in, like, the 90s, like, CDs were, like, fucking, like, 1799. Like, you could not really justify doing this. But at some point, with, like best buys and shit like Mm -hmm. CD prices especially even newer releases would come down sometimes you'd see CDs for like eight bucks nine bucks like brand new even and you could always find used stuff too so you could actually like pick up a couple things on a whim and like not spend a fortune right
1: yeah I want to say it was like best buy decided that every CD was going to be like 10 bucks and it just set off a wave where everybody was like I have to pay 10 bucks for every CD and now wherever I go, see are ten bucks. Oh, I like how this record looks. I'm gonna buy it because it's only ten bucks.
0: And I think they understood that like iPods were here, and like yeah, uh, MP3s are already like you know you couldn't price these things at twenty bucks anymore. Like it was just abs- yeah. absurd for anyone to want to pay that. But you could kind of meet them halfway. Um, right. So I bought this, and I had no idea what it sounded like, and I, I just loved it right off the bat. It was i was at this i remember i was also super into the jimmy world album bleed american which had come out i think same year maybe a year after yeah um yeah and and i think i just thought that this album and the jimmy world album were just emo i just would call them emo albums i was listening Mm -hmm. to a lot i was like picking up like at this time i wasn't like getting into like thursday's full collapse um like whatever thrice album was out at the time the first like Coheed album like i was kind of getting into this early 2000s like emo emo adjacent kind of world anyway so it it slotted into that world for me and i didn't have any context that this was walter from quicksand or gorilla yeah. biscuits at all like i didn't i didn't care but i don't know i like i lo- i liked it i mean it's like big drop d kind of like guitars right like really catchy mm-hmm. riffs kind of frenetic energy at times but a lot of like slow kind of weepy parts too like this is a very sentimental record i think and it's a sad record in at uh, some points too
3: You're
0: But it's just it just goes from front to back.
1: No, yeah, ch- chock full of bangers. I went to that 20th anniversary show on a whim uh, that they played in Brooklyn with Praise and somebody else. I don't remember off the top of my head who the first band was. But they, I was, I think there were like four or five songs left, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna leave it. Like I'm gonna leave after this next song, and then I just stayed for the whole thing. <laughs> It was like, no, I'm I'm staying like, oh, yeah, this is that one. Oh, yeah, this is that song, you know? Because uh, they played the f- whole thing front to back. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to leave. This is like an incredible record. You know, this is, there's nothing that slows down on it. You're right. It is going just front to back.
0: For sure. And I think what I didn't realize until recently is that, like, this, this record, is this, like, record considered a classic by, like, hardcore kids? Because I heard all... All three guys on the Axe the Fall Podcast gushing about this album, saying this is some of Walter's best writing like ever, of any of his projects. And then and then um I don't know if you listen to the podcast demo listen. It's like
1: No, I know who I know what it is, but yeah, I don't So listen. it's like
0: very much in like the hardcore, punk rock, metal, and like very specific like slabs of those three styles, right? Like they got their mm-hmm. they got their taste very dialed into what they like, what they don't like. And then they played like used for glue. And it was like one of their intro songs, which like, I think they're only ever play like intro songs that they fuck with. Right. So I'm like, Oh damn. You know, I thought like quicksand was kind of hit or miss with like hardcore kids, but like Rose rival schools albums, like clearly made an impact on people at the time. And it's just, it's just an kind of an it's just an alt rock record. Like, I guess there's some post hardcore kind of stuff on here, but like this could have came out in ninety and like i think hit really hard even though it doesn't sound like doesn't sound like the mid-90s it does kind of sound like it sounds like the 90s turning into the 2000s i guess it is it's of the era but it's like
1: it's not that it couldn't have been anywhere else you know it's i think it's like super 90s radio inspired in a good way i can't say that it's like I don't know if it's like the best writing. It's not my favorite. I'm a very, very, very big quicksand head. So like, it's not my favorite to listen to, but it is like front to back, nothing but bangers. And it is really strong. And all of the songs stick in my head no matter what. So, uh, you know, I think it's got that going for it at the very least. It's a cool record, man. Yeah, I was, it is also like adjacent. I don't know what the, response was to this but it is like a big major label hardcore record well not hardcore but it's a big major label rock record with hardcore guys in it and this is like a big you know this is like a big step for the scene that somebody made it there you know so
0: yeah I think I read someone describe this I don't know if this is a good description it's kind of interesting it's like if somebody if like Fugazi's ethics were like completely compromised and they were like Give it like went into like a big studio with like a Rick Rubin or something and like give yeah. it a huge budget and stuff and they like wanted to be this big like big sounding album like this is this is like what would what would come out like a super produced because it's got a lot of those like kind of dynamics and stuff and I thought that I was like that's that's like semi accurate maybe
1: yeah again like I don't think it's a bad thing I think it rocks
0: yeah I think it's like super tight it's
1: very like. It doesn't give up too much of the ethics in general, but it is also, it's like an email record. You know, it's not a, it's yeah. not like a heavy record to set your life to, you know, the way that involvement in like Youth of Today would make you think. Well, so. maybe
0: that's the interest from Run for Cover as well, you know, where yeah. that comes from. Because I was like surprised that this was like a reissue like that. It That told me that there's some kind of like, you know, cult following. for Yeah,
1: story. I think a lot of people liked it sort of along the line. And I think that that's like kind of built up over the years. I think everybody who's heard it really digs it. I think like, you know, there's on title fight shed, Walter produced it and guests on one of the songs. And I think like in my head, when I first heard that that was happening, I took it as like an endorsement of quicksand type of thing. But now I look back on it and I'm like, oh, they're tapping into like the rival schools thing on this record, Mm. less than the quicksand part of a Walter Schreifel's endorsement. So, you know, I think it's whether or not, you know, there was a problem with it at the time. It's huge. Now packed show when I saw him and that was in Brooklyn. And that was the second of two nights in New York. Older crowd, uh, right? You were saying, yeah, older crowd. (laughs) Um, yeah i was there you know there's there's younger
0: people oh yeah yeah yeah. i
1: don't think i'm that i don't think i'm that old i'm not putting you
0: i'm not putting you in no i know but i would put myself in with them
1: (laughs) no no i mean it's like i mean i'm 32 i'm definitely not like the number one target fan for a new punk rock record at this point in my life you know
0: did you pick this up when it came out like i know you were super young when it came out no no i was
1: Yeah, it would have. I picked this up in college. You know, yeah. this was somebody recommended it because I said I liked quicksand, and they were yeah, like, "Oh, yeah. you should check out Rival Schools," and I did. And I didn't get it at the time, and then the older I got, it was like, actually, this fucking rocks. It's something that I didn't get excited about the first time I heard it, and now I'm way more excited about it. So,
0: yeah, it's awesome. It's definitely. I think this you could clip a lot of these songs into movie, like kind of corny movies, and even like like segues in like different songs i mean like you could have a opening nfl sequence with like used for glue riff like in it or something you know what i mean
1: yeah (laughs) this is this is like part of a genre that i call stadium emo
0: that (laughs) like jimmy world it's
1: them and jimmy world and like a few of the other like big name 90s inspired but like my friends are putting on a record this band broken record who's good in Denver. I love them to death. It's like all my friends, but it is like, we were trying to like figure out how to describe the album. And like, it's very much like influenced by the cure and shit like that. Because when my friend was writing it, she listens to the cure a lot and puts a lot of effort into that. But I was like, this is like stadium emo. This is like Jimmy Eat world. This is like rival schools. So like there is an entire genre of bands that are like, it's, I guess like kind of radio rocky, but because they have their roots in the emo scene and stuff like that, you feel like, no, that still carries over past just like alt rock radio. It carries into like the way that they carry themselves as it carries into how they write it. You know, it is what it is, but yeah, it's stadium emo. It rocks.
0: Totally. They could all play adjacent fest in Atlantic City.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And nobody would say a single thing about it.
0: (laughs) Um, Jay, what track do you want to hear from this one?
1: uh you put used for glue on here which it's is the basic I, it's
0: the basic aspect but so we don't need no, to go that it's route
1: so but. good i love that and travel by telephone to death there's that real wild uh tone on the travel by telephone solo the guitar solo where, yeah yeah the guitar solo goes into like this insane i don't know what you want to call that tone but it's really cool and uh, when I saw them live, they didn't do it. And I was like, absol- I felt like I was cheated out of my money. Oh, I man. was like, this sucks. But I don't know. Either of those. If you want to play Used for Glue or Travel by Telephone, I'm super down with either.
0: Okay. Let's let's go with Used for Glue. We'll play a snippet of this. This, this is a banger. Great chorus, too. I, lo- I love this song. We are crossing over into the new school. Let's kick this off with uh, one of your picks. You, you selected Cold Cave, Cherish the Light Years. And yeah, all right, we're in a very, very different territory now. So um, why'd you pick Cold Cave? What's their uh, relation back to hardcore?
1: So Cold Cave, West Eisold from American Nightmare, gets all of the fucking Fallout Boy money that he is absolutely due for Pete Wentz ripping off his lyrics. And I don't know... <laughs> whatever the deal is, but Wes gets to say, all right, cool. I get to do whatever I want now with my entire life. I don't have to be in American nightmare anymore. So American nightmare breaks up. I don't think that's like exactly what happened, but I do think
0: that's how it's seen. uh,
1: Yeah, that is how, you know, he gets to do this. He gets to do cold cave, which ends up taking off uh, for good reason. I think they're a really cool band uh, kind of not pioneering, but definitely like one of the bigger, Hardcore guy turned 80s synth rock guys. And I think Cherish Light Years is a big, great album. You know, we'll talk about the next pick too, but like, there's not like a history outside of uh, Wes before this whole thing of like punk guys going 80s dark wave with it, you know? And I think he ends up like creating a kind of guy after this.
0: Yeah, I was trying to rack my brain to see if there's precedence for this from the from the earlier 2000s or the 90s or the 80s the only
1: well yeah the thing i can think of is uh ian MacKay with Palehead. and that's ian MacKay and it's al jorgensen of ministry right, yeah. doing a industrial mm-hmm. meat hardcore type of record but Cold cave is a little bit more new wave with it so you know it's got that going for it which is a entirely different sort of thing than what Palehead brought to the table. But I think it is like, this record is cool for sure. I think it's like the exact, the lasting legacy of Wes Eisold as his personality is really what to like take away from Cold Cave. He's been basically a cool guy for his entire life and like setting up new kinds of guys along the way like there's a type of guy who was an american nightmare guy
3: Mm -hmm. who
1: he was too emotional for the hardcore kids and too hardcore for the emotional kids. i know
0: this guy so well (laughs) right and there's so many of this guy out here in arizona for some reason
1: i'm i'm not shocked um (laughs) but there were a lot of there's a lot of people like that in denver too so you're not alone but there's a lot of people like that everywhere they don't feel like they fit in either of those boxes so they come into the middle, and they are a cold cave guy now. And, and because they're older, they have a little bit of money. They still like a leather jacket. They still like black tight jeans, but now they listen to dark wave instead of American Nightmare. So it's I like Wes Eisold is maybe the defining personality of like hardcore in general, and it's you know he's very much separated from the scene. He lives in Rutger Hauer's old house in fucking Carlsbad. You know, like it's what he does. That's like his whole thing.
0: Just kind of had like an out- outsider status, like since yeah. the beginning, right? Like not not the type to talk about like how hardcore is like shaped him or like how important it is. Kind of Yeah, like, I
1: mean, I I read his uh he's got a sub stack. I don't know if you've read it, but it's no, no. uh yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. There's like a lot of musings about tour and life and stuff like that that are very funny. And like, he's a little inadvertently funny at times. I love like I love the writing to death, but there are some funny things where you're like, OK, of uh, course, this only happens to Wes Isold. Um <laughs> But no, he talks about in one of the recent sub stacks, the headline was like uh, Boston Hardcore, the worst music I've ever heard in my life. And it's about like all of these Boston hardcore bands that, you know, he loved as a kid, but it's, it kind of ruined his life, but it also made it what it is today. And he loves it. And it ends with like Boston hardcore is the best music I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so, you know, I thought that that was interesting, but he isn't, he wasn't, I should say, the kind of guy to be like, oh yeah, man, hardcore is just like, I, I owe so much of my life and I dedicate my life to the scene. It's like, no, he's, he gets what he wants out of it, but he takes and leaves it as he pleases. And I think that that's kind of, you know, reinjecting himself with Cold Cave is a super interesting way to take your career of I've always liked this kind of music and now I'm going to make it. And now, you know, me and my wife are doing this together and we're touring and there's an audience for it. So cool.
0: Yeah, I think even, wasn't Dominic Fernow from Purient in this group for a while? Yeah. A little bit controversial figure but yeah uh, <laughs>
1: all of that all of that like noise and hospital shit it's just like yeah all right you know like, yeah there's be, like
0: some percentage chance it's gonna be fascist <laughs>
1: yeah same with like black metal you know it's like all right man at some point somebody's gonna disappoint me so you know
0: big time i know yeah. that like i i come i'm i don't come i'm more attuned to like the metal and underground metal world than i am the hardcore world so like okay the metal to synth wave to dark wave to post punk the that train that's going back and forth is very um well worn at this point right and I think there's okay. still a lot of bands doing innovative things there, but like i I'm less familiar with like the hardcore guy gone into this this territory myself, but I mean how do you think it's uh changed since like you know two thousand and twelve now like is this just is synth stuff and dark wave just like it really accept just really accepted like yeah the ha- I mean, hardcore kids
1: there's a lot of stuff where yeah like i know a lot of hardcore kids i remember going to a soft kill show in like 2016 just like
0: yeah, on they, the all, they because, all look like hardcore kids you know you and they them.
1: they are the dude yeah. from soft kill was that's kind of a funny story and i shouldn't be like telling as they say on x to grind like telling tales out of school but there is a there's a reason that that guy is not in hardcore anymore and it's not like a canceled thing, it's like a scammed people thing. Uh, that like oh yeah, like Softkill won't we'll be playing with certain bands because this person could get uh, hurt kind of thing because of something that he did back in the day specifically with like scamming people and I don't want to like put the name on it but if you yeah. look around you can find exactly what it is there's uh i don't know there's like a whole thing with all of this shit where you know you get too cool for hardcore so to speak you get too old for it and it's like i i have to do something more mature and more uh more dark you know like let's talk about how dark my life has been you know whatever
0: but uh let me punk guy gone outlaw country exactly
1: exactly so you get dark wave with it you know, this is the this is sort of the punk guy goes outlaw country but for hardcore guys.
0: Yeah, without okay, like the next thing that we're you're gonna you picked out I think has a lot more interesting like uh threads that still that are still like very um active, like in, in a hardcore mm-hmm. sense. And I think Cold Cave is more doing something pretty classic and like really with really great songwriting like behind it, like great vocals, great synth lines. Like if this stuff came out in like the mid eighties, like these guys would be like, I am not saying to be Depeche mode, but they would, they would certainly have some, like some reverence and like it would, be, it would yeah. be hitting like they're, they're really on the money in terms of like the, the songwriting and stuff. I I really like, I really love this album as well. I've always found it to be so fun. Yeah. It's a great time. I think it's like,
1: a heck of a listen but yeah do you want to play a song here or do you want to just go into the next one
0: let's let's do underworld usa um you picked yeah. that one and honestly if you had asked me which one i would pick that's the one i would have gone with this one does have like a hardcore kind of like thing going along with it too i don't know it's just very it's very like anthemic in that way i guess yeah for sure cool yeah let's listen to underworld usa from cold cave off the album cherish light years Okay, um let's let's stay in a similar place, but I think we're going more industrial here. This is um Youth Code's commitment to complications. I don't think I have what year this came out. Do you do you recall? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay. Why'd you pick Youth Code? How does this uh relate back? Is there any hardcore pedigree in this band?
1: Yeah, uh Ryan George from a life or not a lifeless, but carry on was the previous band, but their album was A Life Less That's the biggest one, at least. Huge, straight-edge, hardcore record. And then Carry On ends up breaking up off of edge break accusations. uh, Accusations that people might not have ever been edged. Um, You know, it's real wild. Kind of crazy stuff. Um, But yeah, they break up, uh, and then Ryan George pokes his head around, does a few more things, and then ends up doing Youth Code uh, with I don't remember her name, but the girl that he's dating. I think they're still dating. I don't know. They might be like married at this point. Who knows? Um, I haven't really checked in on them in a while, but uh, commitment to complications is just basically like what if I wrote a straight edge record and put drum machines and like industrial noises on it instead of like the regular sort of thing? It is super. Heavy, but I think it's only heavy in that like Sonic way. Whereas like you listen to it and you're like, this is a hardcore record. This is just like, it's the exact same thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a cool record. Again, sort of reminds me of Palehead, which not a bad thing at all. And then, like I mentioned with Wes Eisold, this is create, this is like creating a kind of guy where this is a former hardcore guy that has gone dark music and has set up his own sort of thing. I don't believe he does like any vocals in it. Maybe like here and there, but it's like he's written all of it. Yeah. And it's but it's not him, so it's it doesn't feel exactly like oh, you know, he's doing the hardcore stuff. He's like staying silent and he's kind of the mysterious guy in the back. But I don't know, it's a cool record. I remember them getting a lot of juice when this came out. It was Mm -hmm. huge. Got to see them live. It was sick. But, you know, that's just kind of like, I picked it because I think it's like a fun analog to the uh, Cherish Light Years. You know, the Cold Cave record and this have a lot to give to each other. So that was kind of my pick on it
0: yeah i was familiar with this one too um by the way the the other member's name is sarah taylor there we go they're an la band and i did see them live too and i they were super impressive and i don't think i went in knowing what they sound like Mm -hmm. um and i think i don't remember if it was i don't think they were opening for a band i think it was like a venue here in phoenix was doing like their goth night but then like it was like featuring youth code so like there was like oh tight. The, you know goth dance party like afterwards or something maybe dj by by youth code like afterwards but they played a full set and oh, i went cool. with my buddy who's a, like a straight edge hardcore kid and he was like super into it i think he he was probably the reason that that i was there in the first place but yeah i remember thinking to myself like this is p- live like playing out just basically exactly like like a, like a hardcore group would i guess my question is how much of the DNA of like a track like Commitment to Complications, the title track off of this? Is straight edge hardcore? And how much is the aggressive side of like industrial music? And I think I can't answer that because I don't re- I don't really remember like I've listened to Skinny Pup, like early Skinny Pup. I don't remember what it sounds like, to be mm-hmm. honest. Industrial was just never I just never went down that rabbit hole aside from like, you know, some godflesh kind of like was like the big yeah. one for me. Um, and even they're a little bit of an anomaly. But, like, the vocals definitely are, like, hitting, like... They hit, like, Hardcore does. But they all, I think they also hit, like, Old Industrial does. Or, like... Totally. That tone of voice where it's, like, kind of snotty. But it's also just sounds like someone who's just kind of, like, sick or something. You know? Like, mm-hmm. you're listening to Band Uniform. Like, similar oh, yeah. kind of approach, right? And I think... that I'm assuming that sort of, like, tonality is taken from from old industrial, but like the, the rhythms and stuff are like straight up, like maybe straight edge hardcore. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to
1: a lot of ministry this year, just for whatever reason, I've been really into it. mind is a terrible thing to taste. And like that record quite a bit, you know, there is that like aggressive side of things that, and I mean, Nine Inch Nails was always really big for me as a kid, loved them. And you kind of hear that sort of thing. Like, there are songs on here that give you kind of March of the pigs wish yeah. nine inch nails vibes. So like, you know, it's, but that's also like you listen to those songs and you're like, Oh, I can see why you were, you've been in very into uh punk rock. You know, you were maybe not like straight edge, but you definitely like got some of that attitude from punk rock. It's not all just like industrial born of nothing. You know, there is that kind of repellent get back, sort of thing that any like formative punk rock person was doing in the first place. So, you know, I think it's all just kind of wrapped in together, but I think like the drumming and the, the way that the songs are structured very much reminded me of like straight edge hardcore bands Uh, and specifically stuff that kind of like gets into the later era of like defined straight edge stuff where carry on is like, O two, O three, I want to say and that's kind of like people are trending out of the typical youth crew kind of thing mm-hmm. we're sort of in the American nightmare wheelhouse of I'm more emotional about this I'm more like I believe in this to the death again <laughs> uh whether or not you end up following through that with that commitment but the attitude is there the song structure is similarly there and it ends up just popping back up in a weird way on this youth code
0: record. It would be so interesting to, I mean, I just wonder how many like straight edge kids are coming out to, to see youth code specifically. And like getting excited about this, like n- this kind of like configuration. I know, I don't know that yeah. lyrically, youth code is like, intr- they're like not putting there. There's no straight edge. Like I do and, no, and there's the no. whole break, breaking of edge thing. And there is. history. Yeah. Like that.
1: Yeah. Ryan George is like the, uh, like the edge breaker of (laughs) carry of carry on. Um, and again, like people, the rumors were that he had broken even before they toured on a lifeless plague. So it was like, this guy's up there doing all of these straight edge songs and he's not even straight edge. Like what the fuck is this? Somebody made a shirt at one point that was like, Supposed to be kind of like the carry-on shirt, but it has uh, a razor plate lining up lines of coke next to the <laughs> logo. It's like Jesus. And there there's a season to desist behind that. It's like a classic. You could if you look for carry-on cocaine shirt on Google, I'm sure you'll find it. But yeah, it's I don't know. It's it doesn't show up there lyrically, but it is like kinda around the corner, you know? That whole like believing in yourself, pushing through sort of thing. It's all right there like that like motivational I hate myself but I will continue to push through this because I'm stronger than you is right in the vein of that same American nightmare and carry on type hardcore so
0: it's it's both a negative and positive (laughs) big time big time (laughs) that's awesome yeah I think you know this is this is there's obviously more industrial influence here. Something I I, I saw EBM referred to as yeah. a genre too, which like I don't really know what that is. EBM, but I think...
1: it's electric or electronic body music. So them and like uh, Boy Harsher
0: are oh, kind yeah. of
1: that sort of thing where I I don't really know like where that came from. Does it have to but... do with
0: like the sequencing, like the the approach to that? Because there's it's very like um it is super rhythmic like in a a way that like cold cave is not right like it's that incessant sort of like beat that you hear that i think has more to do with like different types of like electronic and techno strains of music yeah
1: i mean i don't know exactly where the descriptor comes from or anything like that but i know that it's a thing and i think that you're right that it is more rhythmic and it's more like Kinda almost feels like there's a moshing energy to it at times. But like you don't just want to like dance to it like the uh like the South Park goth kids dance to it. (laughs) You know, you wanna like move to it. It's uh there's a lot more
0: like just putting yourself in. You could punch someone to this for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely there was definitely a pit going, I'm pretty sure, when like I saw Youth Code. I mean it was just not there's no dancing, but like people were, you know, circling around. For sure. It's funny because the the big, like, the legendary venue here in Phoenix area is in, in a city called Mesa. It's called the Nile Theater. Um, okay. And, like, back in the day, I we would see shows in the basement. All kinds of shows, like Ska, Emo, Hardcore. And then, so there'd be one line going into the basement. And then, almost always on, like, a Friday or Saturday night, there would be, a, there's a bigger room upstairs. And that was where all the industrial and, like, rave kids would go. Oh, Okay. And like sometimes there would be like, or there there wouldn't. I mean, I don't know if there were scuffles. I never saw one, but there would be like you know, you'd see like someone from the other one show like kind of bleeding into the other somehow, mm-hmm. um, or like you know, kids going outside having a cig or something. Like to, there would be some like bonding moments, but there was, it was also just very clear that there's very two very different things were happening, and like this is this is uh, putting them all in the same room pretty much. Is the Nile? Is there like a coffee shop there? Yeah, there is now. There didn't used to be, but yeah, but there, I, okay. there is
1: now. I was I've been there. Uh, oh, cool. I went. Yeah, I went and did like Birch on a friend's tour, and we went through Tempe of all places, but ended up like we're like, where are we gonna go for uh, breakfast in the morning? So I was like, oh, you should go to the Nile.
0: So it wasn't so even for did. a show.
1: No, no, it oh, was okay. for a coffee. Yeah, yeah. Shop in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. It was one of the best. They had an absolutely fantastic breakfast sandwich. So, wow. yeah, yeah.
0: They, it's it's like the venue for like anyone oh, in, in Arizona who grew up who grew up like you know in the in the nineties and two thousands like seeing like every hardcore band, metalcore band, emo band, ska band has played either in the basement or the main room at some point. So, um, yeah, that's that's definitely the spot. Um, which uh Youth Code track did you uh, did you want to play? Let's
1: just do the title track. I think that that's like a real good setup for what we're talking about here.
0: Okay. Perfect. Let's listen to Commitment to Complications by Youth Code. All right. Next up, I think, is a favorite of both of ours. This is Self-Defense Family, a really interesting band. In my opinion, a kind of like esoteric and mysterious band, too. I think the way that they operate, the way they release music, the way they record and like their approach to uh, like a lot of thematics is, is very unconventional in hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the question like from the beginning is like, how does this relate to hardcore in the first place? Yeah.
1: I mean, they were a hardcore band at one point,
0: I guess, in the
1: traditional, like, emo, hardcore, DC Revolution Summer type thing, you know? And then over time, they become a band that is focused on, uh, less on uh, form and structure and more on statement. And even now it's more of a commentary on the art around them rather than just uh, like personal stories. I think that this is like a very personal record, but not for the reasons that you would think. This is a record that deals with existence rather than and like expression rather than the idea of like, oh, I went through this bad thing here. Let me write a song to cope, you know. It's very different. I love this record. So I was glad that you put it on here.
0: Yeah, I do too. And I'll, I'll shout out your your roundup of self-defense um, EPs that you have on um, oh, thanks. Listen Up Nerds. I think there's thir- 33 of them, if I remember correctly. Something like that. On uh, your sub stack. I've, uh, I'll go ahead and link that below as well, so you can just go straight to it. But yeah, I think self-defense doesn't really reflect like, a larger categorization of like hardcore Adjacent music. I mean, it certainly in the in the earlier days was influenced by by that sound, the Revolution Summer stuff. I know Lungfish is like a very prominent Mm -hmm. and vocalized influence for the band as well. They're not like shy about saying that. But I don't know. We could have picked Drug Church, right? Like maybe Drug Church is the more appropriately adjacent band. But like we we gravitated towards this one, and we're both Drug Church fans too.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what? I would honestly still just consider uh drug church to be in with like modern hardcore i don't know Mm. if it's adjacent i think it is like part i think Mm. it's kind of interesting because most people branch out into something that is uh adjacent whereas pat kimlin has gone from uh like hardcore to not hardcore and this used to be the main thing that he did and now it's not now drug church seems to be the main focus I think it's just like a very interesting career arc for that dude, but also an interesting arc for both bands. So, you know, cause now even drug church is through like through Pat's writing clearly on this record and the new drug church record, there's a lot of focus on media and how we choose to incorporate it into our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's like using both as a platform for the same kind of thing, but it's, engaged with at different levels and like there's I think there's more literacy uh, associated with self-defense family Definitely. than n- <laughs> what you could cram into a, a drug church song. So you know I mean not that I think that drug church is like wholly uncomplicated. I think there's some really cool stuff going on there but again, uh, I really liked when they were a snapcase ripoff band and I think <laughs> that that's like what drew me to them in the first place but the new stuff is pretty cool too. And I would still consider them very much to be like a, a hardcore game.
0: Yeah. They've, they've gone less heavy over time of course, mm-hmm. but it, there's still that wit and that sarcasm and that sort of commentary um, totally. coming through in drug church songs. And it's like very infectious, like melodically. Um, so it's, it's just, I've never seen them live, but it's, it's, it's funny for me to picture some, some of Pat's lyrics, like being shouted, Back at him. It's wild. Dude, it's
1: been wild to watch. And then, like, I don't know, have you seen Self Defense live?
0: I saw him live once, yes.
1: Okay. The first time that they like really toured was like I we my friends and I went and like caught them on it so that we could like see them do a show in Chicago. And I think it was like one of their first times ever playing in Chicago. And it was insane to watch like people singing it back at him like it was a hardcore show. And I was like, what, like, what is going on here? You know, like that felt like a weird response. And with George Church, it feels like less of a weird response. But when you take a step back and like look at the meta context of it all, you're like, why are you singing along with this? You know, <laughs> like, like you don't, you don't identify with this. Like you might identify with it, but this didn't happen to you. This is weird, you know? <laughs> so whatever.
0: Yeah. I mentioned there's, there's a lot of awareness for the writing and like how it is going to come out in the, in the live setting as well. Um, Especially, you know, as the last couple albums I've seen them really kind of break through, like definitely, definitely a successful band at this point tour. I feel like they tour like all the time, but back to self-defense. I, I, this album, I, I also really love this album. I think this is my favorite of the full lengths. I know that most of their catalog is short EPs and two track releases and sometimes single track releases and stuff. Um, so it's a lot to comb through, but I like one of the reasons I like spans so much is because they they just kind of have this like kind of plodding type ry- rhythm. I find them a really satisfying band to listen to musically because a lot of the music itself seems to be constructed to like loop. So there's this like circular sort of movement to the guitars and the drums and the bass and like any other accompanying instruments. And in this tends to take on like kind of like a mystical kind of quality. Um, and I think that's maybe where like the lungfish thing comes in. Mm-hmm. She's you know i saw on like i was looking at rate your music just to see what people were were saying about self defense there's not a whole lot like written about them um
1: yeah the i think the tumblr is kind of lost to time you know you can't like look back through their tumblr but they had such a prolific and it was all pat um yeah. posting history on tumblr that really like it had like an almost like a culture around it of like podcast listeners of uh, people who were like listening to podcasts associated with self-defense, listening to Pat on podcast, just kind of like waiting to see what this dude was saying on the internet, either to get riled up about it or to like take it to heart. And it is like all kind of lost to time, but that whole history is like very interesting to me that that was like a uh, thing, you know, this is like, it's, I had no idea. It, Yeah. I mean, it's, um, again, like we talk about how easy it is to get things deleted nowadays, like Tumblr deleted so much when they combed all of the sites off because of, uh, adult content and like, it makes sense. And I understand like the reasoning behind it, but like, there's a lot of stuff that just gets straight up deleted and you can't like go back to it and cite it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And in the case of self-defense family. Yeah. There's so much out there that people will just never know about this band because they didn't see it, you know. And there's nothing to like point back at. It's going to be just tribal knowledge from there on out. Gone like
0: that, Bad Religion album. Exactly. exactly. I find Patrick to be really compelling, like not just artistically, but also on podcasts and stuff. Dude likes, dude, you know, dude likes to talk. He gets his, he gets his opinions out there and stuff like that. Although, mm-hmm. although I've never, I don't think I've ever heard. A, a human um preface more of their forthcoming statements more than i than he does, so maybe yeah, there's maybe there's some correlation there between like, oh shit, like stuff that's been said in the past, I don't know,
1: yeah, no, I mean, I think that there is like a lot to be said for giving context to the opinion that you might have, uh whether it's a product of a different time or just the idea of like, hey, this is how things used to be and you don't like get that it's different now in the way that it is so different, you know? um, He is like a compelling character for sure. I think that like he birthed uh, a very much kind of guy online that uh, is like very opinionated to the point where it's like, all right, like Jesus Christ, like calm down. But at the same time, he has a really good command of language, he's a really uh, infectious speaker he somehow is writing songs about uh you know fucking spilling chemicals at a plant or whatever for 1250 an hour and people are fucking screaming along. And yeah. I'm like, man, this is this is crazy like this is something that you have found like identity in. but you know, he is like a really, interesting dude i love this record too it's not my favorite of the full lengths i still really have such a place in my heart for heaven is earth i think that that's like an incredibly cool record Agreed, yeah. but this is i think this is the most like personal record uh like i said because it questions existence and expression in such a valuable way and gets very meta with the art in ways that so much record, like so much in this vein does not. There are a lot of songs I think about like selling out and like how so many people wanna like take from you, but this is a record about giving and a record about putting yourself out there in ways that some people will just never do. And I find that that's like a really, really compelling, like you said, it's a it's a compelling thing to listen to. And it is a really just like an involved, it's an involved record on so many levels because of that, you know, like how does this reflect the front man? How does this reflect the other people in the band? How does this reflect uh, people who guessed on it? You know, so many of these, I don't know like how this one was constructed versus other Self defense releases, but I do know that like a lot of the EPs are constructed because the band gets together to practice for shows that are coming up and they are just, they're never all in the same place. So they might as well jam. So they jam together and they might get like a 20 minute jam out of what they've written. And maybe we select seven minutes here and seven minutes there and let's make it a song. And yeah, like there is some repetition because we are repeating ourselves so as to jam with each other. And now Pat Kinlan takes the jam and says, I'm going to go into the studio and sing over the top of it. But like, I don't think he's there in the studio with them as they practice together and they jam together to say, we should write a song about this, you know, Mm-hmm. So, it is like a really interesting sort of thing when you sit back and kind of like evaluate everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's such a cool record in that regard.
0: Yeah. Really unconventional, like heterodox band in front of mm-hmm. you, for sure. I, I saw someone on Rachel Music refer to the, them as, as their music, especially on the song, as post hardcore lullabies. And I was like, yeah, I like that. You know?
1: Yeah. I get that.
0: It's got that. It is their lightest record
1: yeah yeah it's yeah them. it
0: is It's like almost like a sounds like a post rock record in a lot of ways like i think I think that's one of the things i like i i like so much about them um it's very it's just very powerful and it's colored with a lot of different kinds of emotions there's sadness in there futility there's humor there's satire deadpan kind of shit like um mm-hmm. I don't know this i don't know who the adjacent hardcore guy is maybe it's it's in this category maybe it's just there's just a self defense guy and that's and that's who it is yeah I mean, when I saw them, there was like twelve people there, so I couldn't really tell if, if they were hardcore kids taking in an, an indie rock show for the evening or, or what, right, what was right. going on. But yeah, really interesting band, really awesome rabbit hole to go down. What what tracks uh, hit you the most from the, from this record?
1: I really like "Watcher at the Wall." I really liked "Supremacy of Pure Artistic Feeling." I I'm head over heels about the one that has Chris Fandiari of King Woman on it.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, that song, and especially like her guest appearance, was so, so cool. Big, big fan of that song, and I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. But I liked those. I really like the title track. Dude, all of these songs are so good. Everything about this record is just really, really cool to me, and I was stoked to see it on here. So, yeah, whatever you want to listen to on this one, I'd say just throw
0: it on. Let's do, let's do "Watcher at the Wall." Yeah, I think I think that that's that's pretty reflective of a lot of a lot of the um, other stuff, and and if I might seek that into the track with Christina as well. Um, I just don't have a track ID on that right this second. So I'll put those two together, just like some snippets of both so we can get a little bit of variety. Next one is uh, You Pick. This is Young Gov. The album's called Ripe for Love. This is very much hardcore guy does pop thing, which I think we're starting to get into a little bit. So yeah, tell us a little bit about Young Gov.
1: Young Gov? No, no, I was going to say not a ton of that in the world for a long time. And then I think Ben Cook really kind of takes it away on this one, especially this record. So Young Gov is Ben Cook of No Warning and Fucked Up and several other Canadian hardcore bands. Doing a solo project that this is very like bedroom pop coded sort of one guy messing around in a home studio sort of thing.
0: Ben Cook's a talented man.
1: Yeah, absolutely crazy. Uh, It's it's a really cool, talented thing, and you know he's done all sorts of stuff. I really like Ripe for Love quite a bit. I think the. The newer stuff that gets a little, again, it's lemon headsy in the way that uh, Angel Dust is, I think that stuff's cool, but I really, really latched on to Ripe for Love back in the day, and I still really re- latch on to it. I found it uh, at a record store like last year, I just wasn't looking for it at all, and didn't know it got pressed to vinyl, and just lost my mind. Ripe for Love's a great record. It's... It's just such a departure from everything else he's done. And Ill Blood, by no warning, is one of my favorite hardcore records of all time. Fucked up was a big entry point for me into like modern hardcore. Mm -hmm. But this record almost just like pulls me out and makes me think, like, why do I even listen to the others? You know? But (laughs) um no, it's a cool record. Yeah, man. I can't like I can heap a ton of phrase on it, but like I can't get over just how poppy and how Perfect it is, and how I like it. I don't know. Songs like I think I told you it wasn't like "Crushing Sensation" and what was the other one? Wrong crowd, um, wrong crowd, and liked both of those a ton. And I still like look back on those and thinking, man, those are interesting and very cool songs, especially for a guy who does lead white. Some of the heaviest shit of all time, you know.
0: Yeah. Let's let's do one of those tracks and then we'll do another one as we go out here. Which which one you want to start with?
1: No, let's do crushing sensation.
0: So let's give that a little bit of a listen so we know what we're getting into here. Yeah. this in we talked a little bit about this like this is you know other contemporaries here i think are like webbed wing that band daisy you know them Mm -hmm. um tony molina in a way although maybe that's more of like um singer songwriter like yeah like a elliot smith power pop kind of trip right but hardcore guy gone really classic songwriting from like across like the singer songwriter kind of like spectrum i would say like the title track, Ripe for Love, sounds like Prince. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wrong Crowd sounds like, like Steely Dan.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love yeah, it. It's such a, like, I don't know. I feel like when you listen to as much music as people like you and me do and you try to make your own art no matter what you're doing, you're going to, like, end up borrowing from influences that you may or may not be trying to channel in the first place. It just leaks in. And so like, yeah, this dude's doing like Prince worship. Of of course, it's just cool to see that he articulated enough to say like, yeah, I am really influenced by Prince to a point where I'm going to do that myself. Yeah, those guitar parts that I played on uh, fucked up records are jazzy because they're from Steely Dan songs. You know, Mm -hmm. like it makes me look at the lens of the previous stuff or i should say look through this lens of the previous stuff and think like damn maybe they were cooking with a lot more gas than i even thought of as yeah. an 18 year old listening to uh what was that record uh chemistry of common life you know like
0: it's a great I go point and, yeah
1: yeah it's just stuff worth listening to and worth looking back on
0: yeah yeah it, you're saying it can kind of reveal some a bag of tricks that like you didn't hear in Exactly. The more formative stuff, yeah that that that's very cool. It's also just a good way of bridging, like you know, like the aggressive music you listen to to like all the other like pop and more easy kind of like listening stuff and and understanding that they they these humans like that shit too, like fundamentally, yeah. like of course, like they're no different than I am in that regard. I was. This made me think of I don't not not this in particular, but just this idea of like hardcore guy going like full pop like that band reggie in the full effect do you know them oh yeah i do yeah i think it's a good precedent for this lane because the main man behind that project james i forget i forget his last name he played for coalesce right Mm -hmm. and and this stuff reminds me a lot of the material that's coming out on like maybe vagrant records in like the early 2000s not all of it but some of it and it's it's just so funny to think about how about hardcore kids like reacting to this because honestly it seems like one of the the farthest reaches of music you could go-to for a tried-and-true hardcore kid, but obviously, like, this power pop stuff allows musicians to flex Um. Uh. I don't know. I don't know how to say this without sounding denigrating, but, like, there's real, like, real chops, and I'm not saying that yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't exist in hardcore. I'm just saying there tends to be a mission and a goal with hardcore that can be achieved regardless of, like, very intricate sort of chops. One's not better than the other, just different, is all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I had never heard this guy before, and I loved this album i mean it's 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 really fun as hell, and I think there's there's a lot obviously a lot of talent here and I love a lot of like power pop stuff like you know flaming groovies, the nerves television personalities like those are those are all great groups, and I see how they at- attach to like punk rock on the whole like that's that's a very clear line. Um, but this has a lot more modern influences going on, too. I mean, there's like a lot of slacker indie stuff here. It's even like, I feel like a Mac DeMarco fan could really fuck with yeah, this. Definitely.
1: I mean, this is like, you could put this on at a coffee shop wherever, and nobody's going to think twice about what's on it, you know? It's just like good music. I don't know.
0: No one's going to think twice about it, but then they're going to be shocked when you play Ill Blood. For yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that dichotomy is fucking awesome. Like, There are brilliant singer-songwriter, guys with tons of chops all strewn all across the hardcore scene and mm-hmm. you give, them, give them the opportunity to make something that's just you know, of their own whim. And like this is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Let's play one more track off of this Young Gov album. Do you want to do uh right for love or wrong crowd or something else Yeah,
1: let's do uh right for love Let's take a trip, trip, trip.
0: All right, and I think in a similar vein with this with this other pick you had, Super Crush, the album is called "Never Let You Drift Away." How did how did this one kind of come on your radar? Yeah, uh,
1: Super Crush put out a bunch of seven inches, and then the album "Never Let You Drift Away" is a collection of four seven inches and two previously unreleased songs. I don't know. They put out a bunch of records on a bunch of different labels. I want to say Run for Covers is one of them probably when I was like pretty into looking at run for cover. And then my roommate in Denver was like, Oh yeah, this is, uh, this is Mark Palm from go it alone. And I was like, what, uh, what, <laughs> you know, like, and black breath yeah, and black breath. Yes. And I was like the guy from go it alone who, you know, go it Alone's a early two thousands. They, I guess, uh, are you familiar with the genre amazing core? No. like the it's it's kind of like a joke genre amongst hardcore people online but um when bands like super crush or not super crush when bands like go it alone and like uh those kind of like metallic influenced post hardcore hardcore bands the bled
0: and uh Arizona represent yeah dude uh
1: killing the dream and stuff like that they were People would always just say like, oh, they're amazing. So it's like, this band is amazing core. They're like, I can't figure out what this sounds like, but it's amazing. And it's just like, it's like metalcore light. It's just hardcore played with a bunch of chops. Go It Alone is one of those bands. They're really good. I really like them a bunch, but I like Super Crush a lot more. And it is a poppy, it's a sugary, almost Mm -hmm. poppy record. Very much pop rock, like the band like,
0: Sugar. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah,
1: kind of. I mean, no, but I, I meant like just overly sweet. They're just sure. nice kind of love songs. Same sort of thing. This one definitely kind of reminds me of Tony Molina in that regard. Yeah. Uh, where there are a lot of songs that sound similar, but I don't care because that song is great. You know, I don't know, man. That's that's how it came on my radar. But like band with uh very heavy lineage, and now it's like, oh, this guy's just playing like some of the nicest best power pop
0: yeah teenage fan club vibes for sure Mm -hmm. totally and i feel like this is good representative for that run for cover kind of like world not everything on run for cover of course is like this like there, is quite a diverse roster but i do think this is one of the sounds people think of when they're talking about run for cover right and this is the type of band that gets slotted at like sound of fury right like yeah in between and like does well and like pulls well this is where the most ignorant hardcore kids just call anything that's not hardcore as shoegaze
1: <laughs> yeah somewhat yeah man
0: um it, I, yeah go
1: ahead no i was gonna say it's a good record it's just like a you're right teenage fan club is like a great point to bring into this. they're really good touchdown on that one so
0: yeah, this is good. Definitely definitely some 90s reverence happening here. Didn't didn't hit all the way for me. It's okay. It's very very poppy, which I I don't have a problem with, but it just becomes a little more finicky. I for get me that in that way, but yeah, I've always I've always heard of this band and never really knew where they where they uh what they sounded like or where they stood. So, yeah, this is very cool. This is from 2019. Um is there a particular track you want to you want to show the people?
1: I think I sent. I don't want to be sad anymore. And I think that's yeah. probably the big hit. I like that one the most. I saw them semi recently and it was just like, oh man, like I got to hear that one. Yeah, perfect. The only other time I saw them was uh, July 4th in a house show that didn't have any AC and the drummer was just like absolutely dehydrated and sick. <laughs> they, they were like, we're playing three songs, you know, <laughs> and this dude like. Everybody was like giving him water throughout the set because he was just like sick with something. Just
0: bring him so, back to life. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty
1: much. So you can rock.
0: I mean, and that's, in that way, they are basically a hardcore band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Let's listen to I Don't Want to Be Sad Anymore uh, by Super Crush from the album Never Let You Drift Away. Okay, we're we're now getting a lot closer to modern times, uh, you know, last maybe two, three years. Um, you chose New Gods, although I've seen it referred to as Seattle's New Gods. It is
1: Seattle's New Gods, yeah. There was a, I think there was a lawsuit, or like a threat of a lawsuit if they were not Seattle's New Gods.
0: Yeah, of course New Gods is gonna be taken. I'm like, why wouldn't it? The album's called Burn Pile. I lived in Seattle for a year, not that long ago, and I, I never heard anyone talking about these guys. And I made almost exclusively music friends there. Well the short That's time That's wild. There. Um so I just wasn't talking to the right motherfuckers, clearly. Maybe. So yeah, tell tell us about Seattle's New Gods and Burn Pile.
1: Seattle's New Gods is uh a band of hardcore noisy Dudes from Seattle, drummer is Ian Shelton of Regional Justice Center and Military Gun. They are a noise rock band in the vein of Jesus Lizard to the nth degree. I think that's like the biggest band that you could point, uh, very like butthole surfers, Jesus Lizardy, touch and go records type shit. This record was feared to never come out because they were kind of on again, off again, they put this record out. They went on a quick tour and they disbanded forever. Uh, I remember that this was people were like asking on the self defense Tumblr, "Is Seattle's New Gods ever going to tour?" And Pat was like, "If they tour, somebody's going to kill one of the others. Like this will not. Like the if the band members goes will. on."
0: yeah like they're gonna kill each
1: other it was just and he was like a volatile
0: kind of stew i think
1: it was just like people were getting on each other's nerves was how it was phrased and he was like if this band tours like you will never hear from this band again (laughs) and they put it together they kept it together enough to do their full like east coast tour supporting self-defense nice and then disbanded forever (laughs) So this record though, I think is like a very much unsung, incredible, just, it's one of those records where it's like, if I showed this to somebody, they would think it's way older than it is. And I think that it just like really, uh, captures a tone and a style that isn't out there as much these days. There are not enough weirdos in the grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. in my, in my personal opinion, like... Mm -hmm. The softer that this has all gotten, which, again, we agree, this is good in the grand scheme of things, but there are less weirdos, this is weirdo rock, and I'm here for some real weirdo shit. So, yeah, that's my pick on it.
0: Yes, agreed. Weirdo weirdo, hardcore and um, political, like revolutionary hardcore are both, are both lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, is, this was great. Is this the only thing they, they left? they recorded two seven inches
1: and this there's the uh yeah i mean there's like a self-titled one and what did i say is that the or how's it gonna end there's what did i say and how's it gonna end those are the other two seven inches Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: i love this kind of shit i mean you know stuff like today is the day piss jeans young widows Mm -hmm. Ken, ken mode i think that all these bands tie back to to hardcore in some way but that's not exclusively where they live of course but like i think you could throw any of those bands into onto a hardcore bill and it would like play play pretty well and this obviously is in that in that territory drawing from a lot of that same like AMRAP and touch and go um, mm-hmm. stuff as well the the serious rollins vibes with the singer
2: yeah <laughs>
0: oh yeah I love it. Yeah. It was. It's yeah. so like. It's not. It's not an impression. I'm not saying that, but like, no. But... Some of those like just those inflections are just awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's right there with like Rollins and uh, David Yao. You know, it's like. I mean, I, like I feel like I've relied too much on the Jesus Lizard when I talk about this band, but I also just like recognize that this is yeah almost lifted from jesus lizard stuff but i love the jesus lizard so cool you know fine by me
0: they're the de facto comparison for any noise rock band so they get they get like applied too much where they don't but mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there is there are bands who are pulling from from that playbook like specifically and not like other shit like unsane or cherubs or yeah or, or, or like different stuff like all those bands have had different kind of like you know shades of, of what they were doing but yeah you're right the noi- noise rock adjacent this is a this is its own sort of lane and i think that this also is like the metal head world also like shows up to these shows too right like mm-hmm. that's the other kind of per- person that, that's the other kind of like uh subculture adjacent that like is shared between hardcore kids and metalheads equally the goth yeah post-punk world the in this one the noise rock stuff and Yeah, I mean, a lot of, like, metalcore and, like, mathy kind of, like, hardcore bands, I think, pull in, like, this kind of stuff. Like, that last Converge album is super indebted to, like, this kind of stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Kind of a wild... That last Converge record was real wild in ways that I was not expecting. But,
0: yeah. I wanted them to do something different. Oh, I'm, like, probably the biggest, like, poser in a hardcore kid's mind where, like, I think everything after Jane Doe is the best stuff. And everything before is the worst stuff <laughs> i I get <laughs> like, it though I, I have mean, such an unpopular like opinion there.
1: no, I mean, you feel me is my favorite by them, but I also really like Halo and a haystack. I'm not the biggest Jane Doe dude, and like it's just never been my thing.
0: What are you talking about man that's the that's the black flag damage to our generation. No, I'm just kidding <laughs> I,
1: I mean in terms of uh regretful logos that people have on <laughs> like tattooed on them forever, sure' old
0: status, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You fail me is oof top three. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I know a good amount of people who put that as 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 the top. Who love it. Who love everything. Mm -hmm. I even know kids who only like the old shit, but make an exception for you fail me, which is interesting. Yeah,
1: I I think it's just like such a solid record. I think it does a better job of. I think it does a better job of being like a converge record than like being emblematic of converge. As a whole, uh, than most of their other records do, like including Jane Doe. I think like Jane Doe is Jane Doe is Jane Doe. It's it is what it is, you know, and it's there for a reason. But I don't think it defines Converge as much as You Fail Me can like
2: hmm.
3: stand
1: alone as you telling somebody you should listen to Converge. Here's a copy of You Fail Me. You know, mm-hmm. this is if you like this, you'll like everything that the
0: band does. No, I, I I agree with that sentiment for sure. The the going back to Seattle's New Gods, I think ian shelton is a good he's a good guy to follow to understand like the adjacent thing right like he's got Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of rep and like for like regional justice center which is basically kind of like a power violence like very heavy hardcore band right with a with an awesome political message too one of the Uh, exceptions right or am i uh, embellishing that i don't
1: know so the idea behind it is like semi-political but like most of the songs are not terribly political (laughs) but yeah i mean cool record though uh i love that band to death i'm a big regional justice center person but yeah i don't know he he did regional justice center he has drummed in self-defense family he's doing military gun now as like the key songwriter for all of that so it's like he's just got his hands on a lot of pots he's he directed super uh, music guy. videos. Yeah. yeah. Directed music videos for super crush, you yeah. know, like he's done a lot of
0: stuff. So I that, that ambition is there for sure. Yeah. And just for hard work. I love it. Um, and military yeah. gun is great. And I think could see getting to be a pretty big band like this, maybe like yeah. the last time you can see them in like s- smaller clubs. I don't even know. They might even play it be very much as possible. Yeah. yeah. There's a few, there's a few bands that are, that are like, I think on that, like, this year is going to be the last time you can see him in a small place and then forget about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, you picked Soft on the Senses? Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. Let's, let's hear a little snippet of this. Kind of wake up after all this Power Pop shit. <laughs> We're on our final one uh damn this was a journey this yeah, was this is this is one that we both i think rep pretty hard for this is the band gouge Away. yeah the album is called burnt sugars came out on death Wish 2018 this is a perfect adjacent example a modern example too because they still do hardcore
1: yeah this is like i think this just like is I mean I think it's a perfect record. I love this album to death. I think it was uh in retrospect my favorite album of 2018. I would love to see this band play music again, which I believe th- it might be a thing. I think
0: there was a new track that came out,
1: right? There's a new track for sure. There are like rumors that the album is finished, so that'll be interesting. I know that they were recording it. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh this is like a band who went from being much less polished to where they are now. And that's not to say that the polishing is a bad thing. Neither being raw is a bad thing either. This is punk rock we're talking about. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's a good thing, but this band has really evolved into a uh, just a force of rock. So I don't know this record, like all timer for me, for sure. And I think maybe it's a little bit of a time and place thing, but like we're five years out. Might be worth talking about as like a harbinger of a bigger thing that happened in punk rock.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this is this is definitely Deathwish like reaching into different into their bag of yeah. like, different types of bands. You you used to expect a certain thing when a Deathwish album came out, and now yeah. I think. Anything can come out on that album, and it makes a lot of sense. Like they're that band, Greet Death. I'm a huge fan of. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like almost wanted to put into like the Jason Camp, but I just think sonically they're just way too. Not that 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 makes a difference. I don't think there's much connection to hardcore. Yeah, there's maybe. not. Maybe like, other than there's... those dudes, probably just like some hardcore bands. I'm sure, but like.
1: Yeah, and they've played with hardcore bands for sure, so it's not a it's not like super out of the question, but it is like you know. You're right. There used to be, you'd see the Deathwish logo on a record and you knew what you were getting into.
0: It's Metalcore time. And
1: yeah. And now you don't get that as much. And I think that's really cool. I think the way they've evolved is special and it's not, it doesn't feel like they're chasing after a certain thing. It's all. it still feels like it's uh, something that they want to do and it feels like something that they are going to continue with forever. So I don't know. It's a cool one.
0: I wonder if this album was an influence on, and I don't even know if the timing would make sense. Stuff like Scal and because it it does in a way combine some fast hardcore, not super fast, with like a definitely some '90s influences. I mean, they're mm-hmm. named after a Pixie song, presumably.
1: They are, um,
0: yeah. But I also what I also hear in here is '90s stuff like Jawbox, and even maybe some Sonic use, more like punk kind of shit like more straightforward yeah. less less experimental stuff and, and and it's a great sound and and honestly it's it still remains like rooted in hardcore um i think the scalp comparison is good although they definitely do more of a fast hardcore thing but like you were saying earlier you you see that changing um, yeah pretty soon even in like a you know song off the last gel album was like really getting into some like 90s sonic youthy kind of territory with some of the riffing and stuff so i see that pivot yeah. and i feel like gouge away i don't know what Scal and jell were around in 2018 or tour i don't know anything. either but i feel like probably not because like covid is right around the corner and then that fucks everything up <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: for sure yeah man i think it's just like i think it's a really special record i think it's like maturing in a way that's like super graceful uh which was like maturing as a band is not always treated as the uh as the best thing as we've kind of talked about throughout this Mm -hmm. whole thing you know there's a lot of stuff where people get tired of playing hardcore and they decide i'm going to do something else and yet this is not one of those records this feels like a logical step the seven inch before that i don't remember it off the top of my head um but the seven inch before this one is like two of the best gouge away songs And then this record after, it's just like such a cool follow-up. It's much moodier. It's much more, uh, it's evolved, you know? It's, like I said, it's matured, but in a a very kind way that is really beneficial to that artistic vision and the
0: scene itself. Mm. So You're talking about the Swallow Sweat 7-inch?
1: I am, yes. That's
0: the one. It's interesting. They actually covered the Pixies. They covered Wave of Mutilation.
1: They, They did, that's right. But not Gouge Away so that,
0: country. that would be that's good. too that's too, on the, too on
1: the much money. and yes. and
0: christina's a, an excellent vocalist front person the vocals are so good and one of the strengths of this band this entire record hits, hits really well it's pretty raging throughout but it's not like completely unhinged either it's, it's like heavy music that won't scare too many people away i think if they're like on, on the right. side and there's lots of cool surprises kind of like some, like, noisy rock grooves that, that they work in that could make, like, a room of hardcore kids kind of move a little bit differently, you know? Which I, I think rules, mm-hmm. like, I, I think that's one of my favorite things about the newer wave of hardcore is, like, these fast hardcore songs and then, like, a part instead of, like, uh, you know, maybe there's, like, a little bit of a mosh part or something, but then there's this other kind of, like, rhythm that's brought in that's pulling from somewhere completely outside of, like, the, the, the hardcore, like, Sonic kind of, like, mailbag, you know? So... You yeah, can tell this band's sure. got influences from all over like the aggressive guitar music map.
1: Yeah, it's all over and it's all blended into something that is super
0: cohesive. So it's a cool album. If they kill it on this next album, I could see yeah, I could definitely see this this being a very the right time for this band to, to be back, you know? I would hope so. Yeah. And then I think the track that we both we both really love off this one is Ghost. Yeah. Um and this track just has really killer riff i mean it's one of those riffs that you wish you wrote and kind of believe it, ha- it hasn't been written yet you know what i mean right i'm like fuck i'm totally. like someone wrote this right and they're like no they didn't but it, no. it's it's this kind of perfect center between grunge and noise rock um i think like mm-hmm. if you like in uro by nirvana like this rules if you like hole this rules if you like even like drive like jehu i think like another another yeah. band that i think th- th- it's part of that noise rock thing. Uh, and post hardcore thing in here so yeah this is this is a fantastic track and this is the this is the last one so we'll we'll hear a snippet from this and then uh, come back and close things out we did this thing (laughs) we did it yeah this is a a trek a nice journey though no one ever needs to talk about hardcore jason music ever again after
2: that's right we did it
0: well we did it it doesn't matter. completely covered put in the books um yeah i don't know what we learned today maybe (sighs) hardcore is a land of (laughs) contrasts yes contradictions contrasts uh guys lots of different guys
1: Lots of guys. I I mean, it all comes down to guys. Too many
0: fucking guys, for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's like this. You know, hardcore is again, it can be all or nothing, but it, like we're human beings. Like it's also there's going to be people who have plenty of interests outside of it and need to need to exercise that. Um, and I think what yeah. you kind of bring back into the scene, if it's outside of the context of hardcore, is kind of surprising how much will will be like accepted, you know, and and latched onto, totally. and then how much people come into the adjacent thing and then that like is a rope into hardcore right
1: yeah I mean it, it, this is a, a road that goes both ways so you know it's it'll be interesting to see what we get in the future and like what gets what becomes adjacent you know
0: for sure I want to give you the opportunity if you have any uh, runners up or shout outs here I mean we just we just went over 13 albums so I mean if you don't it's all good but
1: no I mean I think the big one to say like I think it's worth listening to that Palehead record. Yeah. I I think a lot of people overlook that as, like, a release of the time. But if you like anything that we talked about, specifically with the industrial and the post-hardcore stuff, like, go check out the Palehead record. I think you're doing this a uh, disservice by, like, not doing that. Let me see. Other adjacent stuff. Uh, I think, like, some of the stuff that we kind of talked about, like, if I, I will say, if you have to listen to one of these records that you haven't listened to before, uh, make it burn pile by Seattle's new gods. I think that's like, I want to spread the gospel of that record. And I want people to be like out, like repping for that at some point, but that's my only like big takeaway.
0: Yeah. I was, I was disappointed on Bandcamp. I was like, Oh man, not many people have bought this. This sucks. No Just because this one no. this one rules no. this is one of my favorite ones that that I that you picked that I hadn't heard and a lot of these records I hadn't heard Yeah you, meant, I you mean, mentioned another one I think um side 2 of of My War by Black Flag is basically like invented like sludge laden like hardcore right and mm-hmm. and that's its own guy too like the dirgy it's it's basically sludge so you know, yeah. shit like corrupted dystopia Nooth crush i hate god crowbar hardcore kids love crowbar for some reason
1: yeah oh yeah i mean i love dystopia i love crowbar you know how could you not those riffs are undeniable that's undeniable, like
0: yeah and there's a very working man kind of like way about it too that i think is very yeah. is very interesting so yeah sludge maybe is an is an adjacent hardcore thing although i guess it goes back to metal a little more but sludge is I sludge see. is doom with hardcore basically
1: Totally. I saw I Hate God either last... Yeah, yeah it was last year, I saw I Hate God and they smoked on, like, they <laughs> smoked on stage yeah. for, like, the entire set. It was so good six. because I was... I Yeah, six. Yeah, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. Um, One of the guys, I'm not kidding, like, I feel like he smoked one cigarette for just the entire set, but at one point, he tucked it, like, up on his uh on his guitar while he too and i was like this is the craziest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life it was so cool
0: and they're probably so much more tame than they used to be yeah
1: yeah yeah,
0: yeah that's a wild. that's a wild they band that it. band you know has has lived it like as as they as it comes out in the music They've lived
1: everything they've lived uh far more lives than most people get to and live somehow so. yeah, somehow
0: still alive exactly yeah, they're still alive, yeah, <laughs> so that that definitely is a is a side. We talked about drug church, I was going to mention them too m s paint I just recently listened to that record, mm-hmm. and I think that that is very interesting vocally it's it's like almost like New York hardcore or something. I get that, but I could see these guys getting big, and everyone keeps saying that, so maybe I'm just regurgitating the thing, but like. Shout out to them. Shout out to Mississippi Hardcore. Yeah, very cool band.
1: Hattiesburg, world as it is. Yeah, and then that's uh pretty pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and then I think kind of similar to them, Soul Glow, crazy good band. Such an interesting blend of all kinds of like punk, lots of attitude, super savage playing, like just just fucking sick band.
1: Yeah, just uh, a bunch of dudes who also have been into everything and are putting it back out there and and have a message, not regurgitating. Yeah, there is a message for sure, you know. Yeah, man, I very much am rocking with Soul Glow. You know, I think it's a, they just played a free show at Tompkins Square Park out here, which is so cool. They're doing it, man. I think it's really cool to see that band get big.
0: Agreed. Yeah, excellent band. But yeah, that's, that's going to do it for me. Any parting words or, or last tracks? I mean.
1: uh, No, I, I think that's it, man. We, we've we've been in date. I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. Point. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you got this far, we, uh, we appreciate you. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Shout outs to everyone who gets this far and Jay shout outs to you. Thanks so much, man, for, for coming on. Hey, and, thanks. Logging it out. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you for having me. I love nothing more than talking shop.
0: Yeah, for sure. So. Happy to do it. Anytime you want to, you want to come on, uh, more than welcome. I'll, um, toss all the links that we talked about for people to get into your writing and, and follow what you're doing as well. And, uh, yeah, once again, thanks so much. And yeah just last preamble of subscribe to the podcast. So you don't miss an episode rate and review if you got an opinion on the show and I'll see you back here with another rabbit hole music.